Why does Ray keep wearing the same clothes? 40 something years of story and like the good and evil and the gal fate of the galaxy. I said feet, the feet of the galaxy, but also the fate of the galaxy is hanging in the balance. And your your questions, are you want to talk about her wardrobe? Yeah, what is on her arms? It's like a bandage thing, probably so she can climb and shit. I don't know, I don't live on Jakku. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. Usually. However, this is the final installment of our nine-part, really eight-part, because the Force Awakens one was uh, actually more of a repost than it was a new episode, but still, of our ongoing series looking at the Star Wars saga leading up to the rise of Skywalker. Now we are reached the end of it. We're here at the Rise of Skywalker episode, and I'm going to talk to Kai Yanez, returning guest and, you know, my wife, uh, about the film in depth, talking about uh, looking back on the franchise leading up to this point, questions we had going in, and how well director J.J. Abrams handled the conclusion of this 42-year uh, saga, ongoing story through three trilogies, uh, one Disney acquisition, and since it is Christmas Eve as I'm recording this, a partridge in a pear tree. So I really wanted to commemorate this culmination of this ongoing, almost year-long journey through my favorite film franchise by including as many of the guests that I've had talking about this uh, franchise on the podcast as possible. So I reached out to everyone. I wasn't quite able to get uh, get a reaction slash review from Carrie Jones uh, because I believe she hasn't seen the film yet, but I, I do want to pass on the fact that her main concern was whether or not Ray and Kylo Ren uh, make out in the the film, which Kai and I will talk about that later. No spoilers for the first half of this episode uh, until you hear the trailer audio roughly halfway through. Then after that, it's you know it's all all uh, all in on spoilers. Who Ray is or is not, where everything ends, or how they handle uh, Leia's storyline and all that good stuff. So before we get into the conversation that I had with Kai, I wanted to run through uh, chronologically by the episodes that they appeared in the kind of mini review slash reaction of the previous guests in this uh, in this series. So back in May, I talked with Kimberly Reem Cook about The Phantom Menace, and I reached out to her about The Rise of Skywalker, and here's what she had to say. The Skywalker saga is complete with the release of The Rise of Skywalker, and it truly is bittersweet. The film is full of plot holes, inconsistencies, and scenes that came out of nowhere. However, the introduction of exciting new characters and the reintroduction of past favorites were a big payoff to loyal Star Wars fans. It was confusing and heartwarming all at the same time. I growled, I laughed, and for the first time at a Star Wars film, I cried. And I can honestly say that I left the theater entertained and satisfied, end quote. So kind of a mixed reaction. I think Kimberly and I are kind of in the same uh, in the same ballpark of enjoying the film but having problems with it. Again, you'll hear much more of my thoughts on that later. Uh, it, the one thing that I really thought was interesting about these reactions from the past guests is how all over the place they they were. Kimberly Cook had kind of a a mixed reaction. She enjoyed it, but but you know it was more of a middle of the road review. And then <laughs> Pete Langhelt, who uh, guested on the show back in June to talk about Attack of the Clones, said this: "The Rise of Skywalker is the worst Star Wars movie." 
The title crawl made me laugh out loud. It was like a 10-year-old competition winner wrote it. Bringing back Palpatine was the dumbest thing ever. The story made no sense. It was abysmal. So definitely, as a film critic, understand where Pete is coming from. Uh, as a Star Wars fan, I didn't quite go that strong on it. But, I mean, the dead speak. There's a lot of things in the opening crawl to tear apart. And uh, you'll hear my thoughts on the whole Palpatine thing later on. Actually, I think of all the reactions that um, that I was able to collect for this opener, I'm probably most in line with Jackson Smith. Uh, he and I talked about Revenge of the Sith ad nauseum back in uh, July, and he and I both think that is a vastly underrated entry in the Star Wars saga, easily the best of the prequels, and, and probably one of the most fascinating to think about and talk about, uh, which is kind of kind of strange considering it was, you know, written and directed by George Lucas, uh, he of, uh, you know, Phantom Menace and, and uh, Anakin's sand-hating rant in uh, Attack of the Clones. So Jackson said this, The Rise of Skywalker is a sleepover movie. I envy the 10-year-old boys who are going to see it for the first time this weekend because the movie is insane. Literally, it's everything in the kitchen sink, a miasma of crazy ideas thrown together in no time by J.J. Abrams and company with a Disney-sized gun to their heads. So much, of it, so much about it works, and the movie des definitely works better on its own than in relation to the rest of Star Wars. But for me, it's more of a guilty pleasure than a great film. Messy, incoherent, spectacularly bad at times, but also insanely cool, clever, and human in the way the best Star Wars movies are. I hated it, I love it, and I can't wait to watch it over and over and over again. That's pretty much where I was. As of this recording, I've seen the movie twice, um, and yeah, it just it has some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows in this Star Wars franchise. I, and, and um, I, you know, it's definitely something that I'm going to go back and revisit. It's still Star Wars. So in essence, I still love it. But, um, you know, it's it, taken objectively. It's clearly not a great film. I think Guilty Pleasure is where Jackson mentioned there. I think it's is 100% hitting the nail on the head. Uh, you can feel the, the studio pressure there. So I, I really loved his, his reaction uh, specifically. Kim Stock Foster, who came on in August to talk about A New Hope, uh, she was actually, you went to see A New Hope when it first came out in theaters. And uh, whereas most of the other guests and I were, were not really around when that film first came out. So she had a lot of interesting things to say about The Rise of Skywalker as well. She says... I liked it a lot better than the last movie, as did Kelly, that's her husband. This one, well, it had more heart to it, and I cared more for the characters than I did in the previous movies. It had shades of the original three. This seemed to be more of a connection with the three main characters. The movie also included some humorous parts, which is one of the reasons I think the first three movies were so successful and made such an impact, at least for me. I want the action, but I need to feel connected to the characters, and humor often does that. I think The Rise of Skywalker included a couple of unsuspecting plot lines, which I liked. I think it just had a better feel to the movie than the last couple, however, keeping strong characters in place, end quote. And I agree with a lot of what she says there, too. That's the funny thing. Like, J.J. Abrams recently made a comment in reaction to the very divided uh, reaction from critics and audiences regarding this film. And he's like, if you think it sucks, you're right. If you think it's great, you're right. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel reading these. I, I agree with a lot of what, you know, Kim says there. Uh, the the chemistry between Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and Oscar Isaac is so on point here that uh, by the end of the film, you really feel like you've gone on a journey with these three characters. So I think that's 
that's one element that the Rise of Skywalker absolutely gets right, and I think Kim absolutely nails it there. Uh, back in September, I believe, if my math is not off, uh, I talked about The Empire Strikes Back with Candace Kaw, and she actually considers that her favorite movie of all time. So this is what she had to say about The Rise of Skywalker. I'm mostly just disappointed on how little planning went into these three movies. It needed Johnson and Abrams working together. However, I did have fun while watching The Rise of Skywalker, and I was so happy to finally see Daisy, John, and Oscar have scenes together because they have terrific chemistry. And the lightsaber fights were some of the most engaging in the series because of the emotional weight behind it. She also mentioned to me separately uh, that she was comparing it to the Harry Potter series, or uh, I think maybe even Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, something like that, about how there was source material to base the stories on. So they already kind of had a template in place. And I agree with her. You can totally feel the lack of a template in the sequel trilogy. And I think this one, the last entry in the, the trilogy, I think bears the, the brunt of that uh, most of all. Finally, I reached out to Michael Hinman, and he and I talked about Return of the Jedi back in... Uh, where are we now? <laughs> October, September? I don't even know anymore. Um, I believe he and I talked about it in October. So uh, he says regarding The Rise of Skywalker, this is probably one of the most science fiction based Star Wars that has ever been made out of all of them, including the, the Christmas special, by the way, which was sci-fi in a bad way. I think that's what made this interesting. You're going to always have Star Wars fans no matter what. It could be Oscar winning performances all around and you'll have Star Wars fans who hate it. But I think this is something that was really made for fans. If some fans don't realize that in the beginning, they'll realize it over time. It's something that brings together all of the original, all of the different elements, all these types of cameos from the past, something that had to change from the original plan because of Carrie Fisher's death, but I loved it. It wasn't the simple, straightforward story because it, it used to always be that the simple, straightforward story was from Star Wars. The universe is created, is complica complicated, but the stories were simple. But now it's taking into account the audiences are smarter, especially Star Wars audiences, and they're more savvy and can handle these complex storylines, along with a complex universe. And we got that. The whole idea of how they brought back Palpatine, what, they, what that would do, that kind of brought everything together. I thought that was great. It was a fun movie to watch. It kept a really good pace, and it's something that I hope when new Star Wars trilogies are created in different parts of the timeline, which is so rich to pull from, that I'm sure they're going to use this film as a model. I think Michael makes a lot of really interesting points there. Um, I mean, you know, what, what one audience member sees as complex, another one would say convoluted. I kind of end up a little bit in the middle of both of them. Uh, but he, you know, he says about the fan service in this film. I think some of it is warranted. It's the end of the, uh, the end of the saga, uh, very similar to something like Avengers Endgame, which has been accused of leaning too heavily into fan service. I actually saw this with Michael uh, last night as of this recording for the, my second viewing his first. And he, that was one of the first things he said to me is like, I, you know, this is, this is a fan. It's for the fans. It's, it's the last, it's like basically kind of a victory lap essentially in, you know, like Avengers was. So he makes a lot of really good points there. Uh, and as, as do most of, as do all of the, uh, all the reactions here from past guests, I think they all make good points, good and bad. There's, there's kind of all of it in this movie, as you'll hear Kai and I get into, but I, I really just wanted to take an opportunity to include everyone that had been on the show in the past. Uh, you can definitely check out Kimberly Reem Cook on Twitter. Pete Langhalt uh, is a host of uh, Better Than Robin Hood podcast. Jackson Smith is over on uh, Screen Fever on YouTube. Also check out the Home Experience podcast. Kim Stock Foster, uh, she's kind of everywhere, I guess. She's, she's really more of a, a personal choice. 
Uh, Candace Kaw, definitely subscribe to Geeky Girl Gab wherever your podcasts are found. And Michael Hinman, you can find him on Alpha Waves Radio. So big thanks to everyone that contributed to this episode. And now we're going to shift into my lengthy conversation about The Rise of Skywalker with my wife, Kai Yanis. So now we're actually at the episode for The Rise of Skywalker, and I'm bringing back my own personal J.J. Abrams, Kai Yanis. Welcome back to the Crooked Table podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So I had initially a couple of other guests in mind for this show, but in a way, I I really kind of like the fact that it came back to Kai because... Oh, you're just saying that. I mean, I have to. I'm legally bound. Because the first of these episodes that I really did was the Force Awakens conversation that I reposted a couple months ago that you and I did a two-parter on uh, back in 2015. So, you know, I actually was able to kind of skip that episode to record new material for that. So in a way, it makes sense that it all comes right back around to bringing Kai back for the last one. So Oh, how symbolic. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So... Um, uh, I should just say that we are going to do a brief spoiler-free section up front uh, and talk about the franchise as a whole, uh, and then we're going to, you know, we're going to be full spoilers uh, after the episode, uh, after the clip of the trailer that I will drop uh, in probably I don't know, roughly ten minutes or so. So tell listeners who have some time, uh, somehow been listening to this podcast and not heard you before, even though you probably the most frequent guest, aside from maybe Freddie in the early days. Do I get a medal? <laughs> like, uh, well, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> sure, we can make that happen. We'll tell people a little bit about who you are. Obviously, you're my wife. But other than that, uh, what you have going on. And, uh, and then we'll get into your uh, experience with the Star Wars saga. Well, um, my name is Kai Yanis, And as Rob has mentioned... Um, I'm his wife, and I've been on the podcast quite quite a bit, and um, a big supporter, and probably Rob's number one fan, maybe number two, who include his mom, my dad. my daughter, it, our yeah, daughter, yeah, our daughter, yeah, she's she's a big fan of of your podcasts. Um, so I I um, am working on my second book in a maybe trilogy um, called, the first book was called Becoming Version 2.0. And that was about my travels to China and Australia and how that enhanced my life. And now I'm writing Becoming Version 3.0, which is about how having a child has transformed and enhanced my life. Now she's only three, but a lot of transformation has happened during that time. So I've been writing that and hoping that I'll finish it at some point. And um, I also have a YouTube channel that I, I'd call Be Bold, Be Brave, but um, it's really under my name, Kayanas, and that's just about um, having inspiring videos once a week about, um, you know, being acting, acting in state of courage, um, how to be a good friend, how to communicate, I've been kind of, it's it's lapsed a little bit because I've been busy with some other things and trying to do a, a a reset. Rob has shown me that that's that can work out, but um, that's kind of the things I have going on. Um, other than you know working my my full time job and um, and just living life keeps me busy. It's also for us personally. I think this kind of bookending 
not only the Avengers Endgame episode we did in April, which I really liked that this is because we're doing again. What are you? What are you looking Maybe at me on? The last time it was on. No, um, no, I don't think so because we did the best of '99. Oh, also, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like a couple months ago. Uh, but this is also a, this episode is kind of a companion piece to that because it's again kind of the end of a big story that we're sitting down in our in our dining room having a glass of uh, a bottle of wine. Malbec from Argentina. That's right. We'll get more into the the brand that I sp- specifically selected for a facetious purpose, uh, but also because bookending our Force Awakens conversation before we even had a daughter or anything before she was you weren't even pregnant yet, and now we have a three year old, and it's kind of like. Wow, this trilogy has ended and our lives have changed so much just in the last four years. It's kind of it's crazy true. how that happens. Absolutely true. So, um, so yeah, really happy to have Kai back on for those reasons. I also want to take this opportunity to thank all the previous guests that I've had in this series. I want to thank Kimberly Ream Cook. I want to thank Pete Langhelt. I want to thank Jackson Smith, uh, Kim Foster, Candace Kaw, Michael Hinman, well, you were in Force Awakens and Carrie Jones um, for joining me to talk about these uh, these other films, the previous films in the franchise. I, I wish we could have everyone on sort of roundtable style to kind of weigh in on this. So uh, also I wanted to point out just because we have covered all the Star Wars movies, we still haven't covered Rogue One and Solo. So I'm sure at some point someone will want to talk about those and then we can fill those in. I don't think it will be me. No, it won't be you because... Now, this will probably be the last time I'll make you go on the podcast to talk about Star Wars, at least for a, a good while. Um, so I'm sure that will that will happen at some point. So before we get into spoiler-filled goodness uh, on the actual movie, or actually the spo- even the spoiler-free stuff, what is, I've been asking everybody in this series, and you probably talked about it on the Force Awakens episode, but, you know, just for, uh, for the sake of completionism, what is your experience slash relationship with the Star Wars saga prior to this? Like, when did you first see any of the movies and such like and stuff like that? Did I, I'm, I'm assuming you had some exposure to them before I came around. I, yes, I did have some exposure. Um, gosh, I wish I could just take that snippet that we talked about on The Force Awakens. Well, people can go back good. and listen to them, but now they're on this I one. Actually so. did. I actually did. It was right after I listened to... Um, well, you can do an abbreviated version the, the if you want. The one with Carrie, then the one that... The Force Awakens popped up, and I was like, I like to listen to myself. Yeah, exactly. I hear my voice. So I listened to, I think, a lot of it, and then I stopped because I'm like, okay, this kind of, I think I listened to this before, and this kind of feels like kind of a waste of of your your time. So It's not, never a waste of your time with the Crooked Table Podcast. What are you trying to do <laughs> yeah, to me? It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could edit that out. Um, so my exposure to Star Wars was... Um, watching Spaceballs when I was a kid and like them like this is funny and me and my sister also had these action figures these Star Wars action figures so we had Han Solo Princess Leia and I think no we did not okay with Luke Skywalker and like the little the the snow garb oh from Empire Strikes Back yeah and uh Princess Leia action figures and then we actually had a Han Solo Barbie doll which now that we have fast forward four years my sister used to be the the holder of the Barbie dolls because she was you know saving them for when she had a daughter. Well, she did not have a daughter, and when um, our daughter was born, she gave me the big bin full of Barbies, and she kept the action figures. She's like, "Oh no, I think the boys. She had two boys. I think the boys will want these. I'm not gonna part with those." I'm like, "Okay, 
But what she didn't know is that she parted with the Han Solo Barbie doll. So we, we have it? We have it. Oh, cool. Yes. I didn't even know that. But he is I missing part of his foot. Because uh, me and my sister were not, like, the most kind. Uh-huh. Well, actually, actually, we were. We didn't rip off their heads. Well, I've talked about but on this. Mis- he is missing a foot. I've talked on this podcast before, I think, at some point, that Freddie broke a lot of my action figures, like the old school Masters of the Universe with the rubber band holding the legs in there and everything. Uh, the old, like, 80s design of action figures. Like, yeah, a lot of my people fell by the wayside. And we had a lot of the, the small Star Wars action figures, the classic, like, three and three, four, three quarter inches, I think. Um, and I think Freddie either has them or got rid of them or whatever, but... Yeah, I think I was nice to the to our toys because Zaya influenced me to be nice to them. And and we had our moments. I think one doll actually ended up getting... Or a doll ended up getting its head shaved. But I don't know if that was us or our friend. But anyway, so, so that was like my first foray into Star Wars. And my parents didn't really talk about Star Wars, so we have no idea yeah. where we got them from. But I think I did Probably know a gift that, from somebody or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I, but I knew they were from, or maybe our friends' houses. We just yeah. took them. Yeah. Wow. Or maybe what happened gave to, them what to happened us to Zaya, like Zaya's influence? She's like, let's just steal it, guys. <laughs> but um, I knew that her name was Princess Leia. And in fact, I used to call Zaya Pr- Princess Leia. Um, I don't feel like Zaya I, would I mind that, it, though. Um, I bet I said it sarcastically. I'm like, okay, Princess Zaya. So she did not like, she did not like that. <laughs> Um, so then... She should have owned it and be like, you're goddamn right, I'm Princess Zaya. <laughs> we also used to call it Zaya Land. Oh, instead nice. of New Zealand. But anyway, so um, then my mom went out with a guy, um, had a boyfriend who had the the three, the, you know, the original trilogy on VHS. And this was, of course, before the prequels came out and before they even remastered. The, the original trilogy. Oh, so not it wasn't the video boxes that have like Vader's face. It was like, like 96, 97. Oh, so it was probably like the it, it probably was the the remastered VHS, but before they changed any of the before the special editions or anything. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, like because yeah. like in ninety five, again, I'm getting really geeky here, but in ninety five they released the 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 trilogy on video VHS, which was like the cover for the original movie was like half of Darth Vader's face and then half of a stormtrooper and then like half of Yoda's face. And that was like oh, the, maybe the that box. Was it. Yeah. Maybe I it, think was. it was probably those. Yeah. So, um, I watched and I knew, and I knew about the princess Leia and Jabba, Jabba the Hutt scene. Slave Leia. Yeah. I knew about that. Cause that's like so famous in pop culture. I still remember it from friends. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I watched all three of them, and I—I I don't know. I wasn't—I wasn't that impressed. I think it's also because I was young, and I was like, okay, I don't get it. Right. And uh, I was actually kind of bored by the third one. Okay, I don't even—I yeah. don't even know how much I remember the third one, other than the same legacy. Well, hopefully, hopefully later in this podcast, you won't say I was actually kind of bored by the third one. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then when we were, when I watching Spaceballs again, I was like, wow. Star Wars Space, copied Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I thought the Star Wars copied Spaceballs. In reality, Spaceballs had copied Star Wars. I didn't even realize it was a parody because, you know, Mel Brooks always does his own thing. And, um... Yeah, Spaceballs was... I think we've talked about... The, now we're, like, really in the 2015 conversation all over again. But uh, I think Spaceballs was kind of designed to be kind of a bit standalone as well. It's like, yeah. yeah, he's good at that. But so I actually only... Before you came around and before The Force Awakens, I had only seen one Star Wars movie in the movie theater. And that was Phantom Revenge, Menace? Of, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. So I was kind of... So wait, okay. When I you was saw, sort of lost. I, lo- you, I love that this is not intentional, but you just mentioned I was sort of third, bored by the third one, Return of the Jedi. And now you're talking about Revenge of the Sith, the previous two third installments of the last two Star Wars trilogies. 
So when you saw Revenge of the Sith, you didn't had no context for the rest. You're like, who the hell is this Anakin guy? What's going on? Well, I knew, I knew because people talked about it. People and stuff, talked about it, yeah. And did I you knew see about it on Star VHS Jar-Jar. or TV or anything? No, no, because you weren't interested. So you're like, eh. Yeah, click so I knew away. about Jar Jar Binks and how he was irritating to people. Right. I knew that and borderline, well, not even borderline, but racist, basically too. Yeah, and I knew that Anakin was Darth Vader because I'm not dumb. Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly a mystery at that point for anybody that, yeah. So I didn't understand what the deal was with Queen Amidala and Padme. Like, I was very confused. And you didn't I, understand that they were the same person? <laughs> I, did, did I just reveal that to no, you just now? No, it's like, I don't know. I See, that part, I was, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, why, right. are there, why does she have two different names? <laughs> why does she have two different names again? Uh, Padme is her first name, and Amidala, I think, is oh. her last name, kind of. But they also have her Padme Nayberry. Is, is on the toys and stuff. I don't know if that was just a mystery. Anyway, what we're getting... And I'm like, why is we're Natalie super Portman... We're super off topic. Natalie Portman, she's 19 and she's playing the queen? What the yeah. heck? She was elected. They they elect their elected officials, the queen. Anyway, we're like way off of uh, the rise of Skywalker. So so obviously people want to hear your in-depth thoughts on The uh, Force Awakens. They can listen to that episode. So what have your thoughts been overall on this particular trilogy, the first Star Wars trilogy that you've seen every installment in theaters as they were happening because you're married to somebody that's obsessed with Star Wars. Who didn't tell me. Who didn't tell you. Well, I didn't, it was no, you got to remember, 2015, there hadn't been any Star Wars movies for 10 years. I kind of watched Clone Wars, but not really. I still haven't only seen like the first season or so. No, it was like 2012 that I realized that you were into Star Wars. Yeah. A year after we got together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, because after the because then I was like, Lucasfilm. "What did you hear the news? Star Wars?" You're like, "What do you care?" And I'm like, "It's amazing." <laughs> I didn't tell you. Well, because I'm a little place setting as well. I didn't see, and people that are listening to this series have heard me say this before, so I'll make it very quick. I didn't see the original trilogy until right before the special editions came out. Saw them on VHS before they were tampered with, like the one time. I mean, I'd had seen them as a kid here and there, but I never really got into it because my parents weren't really into Star Wars either. Uh, saw the special editions as they came out, and that's when Freddie and I got really into the toys and all that stuff. The lightsabers that I have upstairs. Was, I have the lightsaber actually in the other room that our daughter likes trying to now steal from me, which I Instagrammed a picture of. Um, so, so I was really big into the special editions, or the, really the versions of those movies that I'm more familiar with. And I know that sounds sacrilegious for a lot of purists. And those are the ones you showed me. Yeah, and those are the ones I showed you. This is the ones that's on the Blu-ray. I mean, actually, the Blu-ray even has had even more changes since then. So I grew up with the prequel movies a lot. I, put, I used to put on episode one and episode two, and this sounds terrible, but I mean it as a, as a comfort thing. I used to put it on, like, as my, you know, when I called as a kid, my, parent, my family, and I called, like, our night-night movie. We put that on as, like, to go to sleep. Like, not because it's boring, but, like, oh, I love this movie. I watch it, and I go to sleep, and I fall asleep during it. It was, like, a comfort blanket thing. The first two movies on VHS. Uh, so I've seen the prequels a million times. Uh, probably similarly, if not slightly more, than the original trilogy. So how come when we saw that, when you showed me the prequels, you didn't end up falling asleep? That's a good point. You would think it would be some kind of like psychosomatic thing. It's like, oh, the opening crawl. Um, and I, you know, I've talked on this podcast about the prequels. I have major issues with episodes one and two. I think three is unfairly maligned and. Probably one of the better Star Wars I movies. I remember you saying that in the Revenge of the Sith Star Wars Yeah, uh, well, Jackson and I, that's the thing. Jackson and I are on very much the same page there. So it was basically like, 
the two of us going off on how much we love Revenge of the Sith for two hours. And I was like, he, at the end of it, he was like, are you going to cut any of this down and split it in half? I was like, no, nah, I like it as is. I think we're good. Uh, and, and I barely, the movie? movie's like two hours and maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So it was pretty close. Uh, but most Star Wars movies lately have been around there. So, uh, so okay, so what were your thoughts briefly on The Last Jedi and what questions and or, you know, uh, what did you have, uh, what were you expecting from The Rise of Skywalker based off of The Last Jedi? I actually thought that Rose wasn't going to play a very big part at all. I think that... Well, the, then that was met. Because the backlash that she received because of her being a woman and being Asian, I'm just like, yeah, I feel like Disney will still, you know, they're still going to put her in the films, but she's not going to, they're not going to ever do very They're much. paying lip service by being like, she's in there. Yeah. In the background. Yeah. Off so, to the side, in the shadows. I'm like, yeah, Jesus. So that's disappointing. You know why it's especially disappointing? Kelly Marie Tran seems like the sweetest person of all time. Like if you watch any interview with her, she seems like she's a really... Really nice person, really wonderful actress, and like she's really good in that movie. We talked about it because I watched we we watched Last Jedi again recently, right? But even though I did the podcast with Carrie, I watched it again like a couple of days like the day before uh, we saw the Rise of Skywalker, and yeah, I think she's really good in that movie. I think she's a very earnest character, and I think a lot of people are just not into that, I guess, for whatever reason. So, so you are you. Enjoyed The Last Jedi like you were a fan of it like I am? Or how would, did you see it as a bit of a letdown after The Force Awakens? Oh, no, I liked it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I you know, it's like I said, I think I said this in The Force Awakens podcast. I don't, maybe even get this far, but I feel like I agree with the criticism that people gave it, where it was basically the same as A New Hope. It was Very much so. It's part remake, in my, in my opinion. Um, so I like with The Last Jedi, they did different things with it. And um, I really like the scene with Luke Skywalker. And uh, mind you, I also just saw this recently because Rob was playing in the background, <laughs> like on thir- um, Wednesday or That's something. That's the fine print for every every opinion Kai has on Star Wars. Is like, and mind you, I can't escape this fucking franchise even if I try. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that in mind. We're not watching it by choice. I'm not a geek like uh, the person sitting across from me. That's okay. I'll own that. It's okay. Um where Luke Skywalker did, you know, he was like astral projecting, right? Is that what they call yeah, it? I mean, force projection. Everything oh, is, okay. all the force abilities, like force push, force jump, force he. Well, well versus in-game is all I about quantum. I almost a spoiler. So. Yeah, everything's quantum whatever, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, um, where he was force projecting, that scene was pretty awesome. Um, the and music, I, too. Though. Yeah, and I like going to the movie theaters where there's a lot of sounds and and excitement from the audience and uh, so that movie had a lot of that and um and i liked it i just liked that the last Jedi did what no one expected it to do you know that in the beginning of the movie ray goes up to to luke to luke and gives him his lightsaber and we all assume that he'd be just so excited to get that lightsaber and that's how you were thought about it at the end of force awakens that's how you thought about it at the beginning of the movie and then he, he gets it and he throws it in the ocean thought that was pretty that was pretty cool and i have seen a couple okay fine maybe i've only seen one ryan johnson movie looper i think is the only one i've seen i still have to show you uh the brothers bloom and well you saw knives out oh yes well that's okay right yes i've seen knives out too so um so ryan johnson kind of already has like an edgy 
edgy screenwriting. Right. Well, Ryan Johnson, and this is the, Ryan Johnson basically does deconstructions of every genre he touches. So, like, Brick is a film noir, kind of. But like breaking down, like breaking down all the fundamental pieces that make that genre, and then Brothers Bloom is kind of like a con man slash heist movie. Looper is a time travel movie, but not really. Um, and then you know, Knives Out is sort of his deconstruction of a murder mystery. And this was his deconstruction of kind of a Star Wars movie. Well, what is a Star Wars movie really? What can it be? What is it built on? And what or what should we let's question? the foundation that this franchise is built on. And I think that pissed off a lot of people, obviously. So what do you make of the backlash for The Last Jedi and and going into Rise of Skywalker? What were you kind of expecting it to be more like Last Jedi, more like Force Awakens, or or did the movie successfully split the difference? Well, I think, I don't know, I'm going to agree with what both you and Carrie said about The Last Jedi, that I feel like people wanted to just they were going to hate on it regardless. Like, it's like it either had to be exactly the same, like Force Awakens, or it had to be, or it was going to be completely different. And I feel like they, they were going to not like it either way because, you know, it's just, and I actually, actually know fewer people that don't like that movie than do like that movie. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's promising. But I just think that people just like want to complain and, and isn't that kind of what was going on with the with the Rise of Skywalker? That there were fifty six, was like fifty six percent of Rotten Tomatoes yeah. between critics and users are just like, because they just want to freaking hate. And I'm like, are you a Star Wars fan or are you just part of that now generation that? And I'm also including myself in here, that generation that just wants to, to piss on, stuff. yeah, just piss you on can everything. You can curse on stuff on here, kind you know that. You can say that you're about to I'm a mom now. <laughs> She's not listening right now. Um, no, and I said to you right after we came out of the movie, we went to get frozen yogurt. And I yeah. was saying, <laughs> and I was telling you, I'm like, it's something about now society, like politically, like everybody's like, oh, you're a Democrat or a Republican or snowflakes and bullshit. Uh, and it's now leaked into my entertainment. And it's like, keep your politics. Like, I don't mind having political messages and having you know movies that say something. I'm fine with that. But it's like now everybody's like, "What? You didn't love, love this movie? Then you're a, you're a terrier. This you're an asshole because you didn't like the fucking same Star Wars. Who cares? It's a movie, guys. It's ultimately this is all just like entertainment. It's fun stuff. It's important to to some of us. Like I, Star Wars is important to me, but it's not like I'm not gonna kill somebody because he doesn't like the same Star Wars the way I like it or whatever. It's like that's ridiculous that people are this kind of extremism. And I think that's also. Because of political climate too, people yeah, are very so. anxious, stressed out, um, kind of antagonistic. Right. So it is leaking into our to entertainment and pretty much everything. Yeah, like oh, every our entire way of life. Um, yeah. So that's I mean, and, and this movie I think suffers because of this trilogy. And this is not something that I'm coming up with, and uh, you know, this is something that has been well documented by a lot of critics. But critics are kind of hating on this movie. Probably in part because they loved the Last Jedi because it did everything you said it it it, quest, it challenged the audiences and it questioned the franchise and it took the delivered. I didn't new, say those things. You, you did. You said some of that though. It delivered something different. It, it went it zigged instead of zagged. Where Force Awakens was like, you know this, we're gonna have this mentor character and he's not gonna make it and there's gonna be a giant round, not a moon style, uh, you know, planet destroying machine and and the, what uh, they call it. 
they call it Star Killer Base, which is a reference because in the original script, again, geeky side note, in the original script, his name is Luke Starkiller, not Skywalker, and he changed it to Skywalker. But they they were like, hey, we'll call it Star Killer Base because it's like a you know a nod to an earlier version of uh, of um, you know the the screenplay and stuff. Anyway, so this movie I think suffers because of that. I actually just wrote an article for CheatSheet.com where I can you can read a lot of the things I have to say about Star Wars and superheroes and random. And Joker. The cinema. Oh, God, so much Joker. And I'm not even that big a fan of Joker, honestly. It's kind of like, eh, a Joker. Um, where I said uh, the real reason why this The Rise of Skywalker is the worst installment in this trilogy, which I, I, I stand by. I don't think it's... I still like it, which we'll get into, uh, but it, I'd have a lot of issues with it. And the problem is because Force Awakens was reintroducing the saga and in doing so was retreading some of the same ground to be like hey remember star wars let's bring star wars let's dust off this story that we really hadn't con- hadn't uh hadn't continued since 1983 was it also star Wa- uh, star trek too what about star trek cuz well, jj abrams did those also it first. wasn't that not why people said that star star trek felt a lot like star wars yeah i think jj abrams was like hey i can make a star wars movie watch and they're like wait this is not star wars he's like oh but now i got star wars my star trek and he pieced out um, and I do like his Star Trek movies as well, uh, all three of them, the, the third one, which I think he still produced. Uh, but The Force Awakens was just like dusting off the franchise. So, you know, they're going to have some of those those uh, legacy sequel or actually the, our buddies at, uh, Jackson and Adam at Screen Fever called it uh, Requel in mm-hmm. one of their video essays. So it's going to have some of that. But then The Last Jedi was a progression from that into some new territory. And then this movie... Trying, trying to uh, please the people that love The Force Awakens for being samey. And let's be honest, that's kind of what it is, even though I love that movie too. Even though I think, yeah, go ahead. I think Ray though, she's she's different. Right. Like she's not, she wasn't Luke Skywalker. No, but she's, she's also a person living on a sand planet without like mysteries about her like identity, family slash she origins. She had family, at least Luke Skywalker. Well, she like had a, family. She was dropped out of an somebody. an uncle. He yeah. Had, she had nobody. Right. She was a scavenger. Yeah. But no, but she was, she was not, I guess she was actually more like Princess Leia. Like she was, or generally, she was not a damsel. And you have Finn right. that's like, oh, I gotta go save her. And he's still, and he's still like that. Like he's still. He's still obsessed with Rey. And, and he that. still looks at her like that and he needs to save her. And meanwhile, I'm like, she's. Well, she's, I love that moment. in the, ass all I, over the We place. should eventually get to the Rise of Skywalker, but I love that moment in The Force Awakens where they're being chased or whatever, and they like fall down, and and he she goes to grab his hand and help him up, and she, he's he's like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I got this. I've been doing this my whole life," which is why I don't understand the whole bullshit thing that all the like toxic fans or whatever people are like, "She's a Mary Sue. She's just like magically good at everything." I'm like. She's like, what, 20? She's supposed to be, more or less, early 20s. She's been living on her own since she was like, what, six years old or something? She's learned to fend for herself. So granted, she's going to know how to fight a little bit. She's going to be resourceful. She may have picked up how to fly a, a ship here and there a little bit. So it's like, I don't understand why everybody's like, I don't get how could she be so good at stuff. Plus, in this movie, we get more of her origin and it explains if you want to go for that. Uh, which, to get back on track... Um, that's the thing. This movie's trying to please the people that love The Force Awakens and all the, also the people that love The Last Jedi. And in doing so, it kind of betrays both previous movies a little bit by trying to be both. It has, like, and, and I wrote this in the article, it has kind of a weird like identity crisis. I, I compared it in the article to, uh, to being like the, the child stuck between two argumentative parents 
And ultimately, you know, you're going to, you're trying to mediate both sides. Ultimately, everybody might compromise, but nobody will really be happy in the end. It's just kind of like what this feels like. It's, it's trying to keep elements of both of those previous two movies and in doing so doesn't really become its own movie. It's just kind of like, and then there you go, it's done. And there are a lot of things about it I like, but I feel like it, it undermines some of the Last Jedi's whole point in that you could be anyone because they have to kind of quasi retcon some of the elements in here regarding Snoke, regarding Rey's parentage, regarding, you know, where this is all heading, the, the Kylo Ren story and all that. So, yeah, so... Um, and also wanting to get closure. Right. Which well, for this game went through too. Right, for this th- trilogy, but also the whole all nine. Yeah. And I think Endgame does that infinitely more successfully than this movie does. I think it helps that it's three hours. I think it helps that they had a little more of a plan in place here. Pretty clear over the, like the last couple of years that Lucasfilm and the people there were just like, I don't know, this maybe this happens. Who the hell knows? We do know that this was supposed to be Carrie Fisher's movie, and that yeah. sadly didn't happen. Uh, we'll get into exactly how they work around that and whether or not it works. And there was a lot of behind-the-scenes drama on this movie, too. Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, was supposed to do this one and then left for creative differences. Uh, soon after, I think, Carrie Fisher's passing. Yeah, they talked about that in the trivia yeah, on IMDb. I love to read the trivia <laughs> you do. after every single movie you do. that we watch, even if I didn't even like it. And the rumors are that he, his pitch was heavily focused on Leia and once... They had to kind of scale back her role um, that he didn't really gel with what they wanted to do or whatever. And my point with that was like, well, geez, sounds like he's not a very creative person then. If, <laughs> if that was his one idea well, and it a lot didn't of, work out. A lot of people don't like Colin Trevorrow. I mean, I listen to the Blank Check podcast a lot and they love to dip, rip into Colin Trevorrow. You know, and, I, you know, Jurassic World is it's a fun movie. It's, again, kind of a requel thing where it's kind of very similar to Jurassic Park in a lot of senses. Um, I'm not, I don't hate his movies as much as a lot of people do. I don't necessarily want him to, I wouldn't necessarily what else did he want, do? he did a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed and he did a uh, movie called The Book of Henry that everybody apparently hates. I've never seen it. Wow. But uh, Screen Fever did, they, you know, they had the Home Experience podcast. They talked about that. So if you want to hear their thoughts on that, check that out. Jackson and Adam there. And um, it's, uh, you know, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily choose him to be the closer of this trilogy. But at the same time, bringing back J.J. Abrams, obviously he's going to lean more towards Force Awakens. He'd be like, all right, cool, yeah, yeah. I did this story in Force Awakens, Ryan did his own thing, but now we're going to go back to what I wanted to do, pretty much, is how this feels a little bit. It's it's very whiplashy watching this as a trilogy. Why couldn't they have gotten another another person? Well, actually, director? I talked, Adam and I were, you know, Adam Barnard, who's been on the show before, and we'll, you know, as they like to say on Blank Check, past and future guest, Adam Barnard, um, he uh, he and I were going back and forth, and we were speculating that it's because they you know they they were they had this deadline, they had this release date, and there's a lot involved in doing a Star Wars movie. Obviously, the script has to be written, but then there's like pre-production, visual effects, blah blah blah, all that. There's a long post-production process involved with everything that that uh, you know in order to get all the visuals and, and stuff in place. So I think that they just. It would have been too. It wouldn't have been. It would. Have, it wouldn't have been enough of a turnaround for them to get this out by December 2019, is what I think it was. So I think their options were Abrams or Johnson, and I think Johnson's like, no, I'm doing Knives Out. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. After, especially honestly, after all the shit he got for Last Jedi, 
I wouldn't blame him if he walked away from the trilogy he's supposed to still possibly maybe be doing. It's unclear if that's really happening. He was what? offered a he was offered a Star Wars trilogy after before Last Jedi even came out. They were like, "We're so happy with what you did. This was awesome. Come and make another trilogy." He's like, "Okay." And they announced it, but since then it's been unclear if it's happening or not really happening because nothing official has been set like, in stone. Oh, like another Star Wars trilogy. Like not related to any of these, oh. but like his own thing. Like oh. set in a different period or with different characters, all that stuff. Which I'm all about that as a, as a person who thinks The Last Jedi is essentially the second best Star Wars movie of all time uh, behind Empire Strikes Back. I think that that would be awesome. But I, judging by the way, looking at the way this movie kind of quasi, like it takes at least a half a step or two back from The Last Jedi. I wonder if they really want that now because he's such a divisive figure to this fandom. Um so anyway, I, I is it possible I would have that those that don't it. like the Last Jedi are the silent minority or the vocal the minority? Vocal, the vocal minority. I mean, yeah. it's still made over a billion dollars at the box office, and it still has like 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So critics liked it. People went to see it, whether they liked it or not, is you know un, remains to be you know I guess it's is up for debate. Or they like the people that complain online, but then to their fa- to other pe- to you know. To their face and to their friends, like I loved it. I mean, I guess I watched it yesterday. I'm all the time on on uh, online saying how much how much I literally loved it. So, uh, so yeah, so that's you know this movie has a little it's bit of issues with that. It is stuff. I don't like. like I don't like to hate stuff though. Who are these people that watch the Kardashians? True. Not me. Hate watch, right? That's like. Well, that's kind of me with Fuller House. That's like that's the honest. society that we're in now. Fernando rules. What is hate watching? Yeah, like you said when we were leaving the movie theater. Right. But see, I'm the opposite. Like, you'll hear me say, you, I've already started saying negative things about The Rise of Skywalker, and I'm sure I'll say a whole lot more in this episode. But at the end of the day, I like the movie. I'm excited. To, I'm going to see it. We're recording this on Saturday after the movie came out. I'm seeing it again on Monday with friends. So I'm, and I'm probably, I'm going to take my parents to see it. I'll probably see it at least three or four times in theaters and then buy it on Blu-ray and watch it a lot at home and introduce it to our daughter when she's age appropriate and all that other stuff along with the and rest of the saga. she's a little resentful that she wasn't able to go to this. Yeah, but this, like I said, since it's going to be probably at least two or three years until the next movie, she'll be more age appropriate to take to a Star Wars movie in theaters. Yeah, and before we get too much into it, it was like by the first scene we realized, yep, this well, is it's not really, children. This one's really, I don't know if it's the darkest Star Wars movie, but it's up there. It's... Revenge of the Even Sith. Even the cinematography and maybe, is dark. Yeah, it's also kind of it's spooky, and like we'll get into the spoilers. Not really, because it's in the trailers and everything. Palpatine stuff, uh, and how that's kind of in, intense. Like I can't imagine a three year old sitting there that would like traumatize her. She had a hard time seeing the Jumanji two. Yeah, well, Jumanji technically Jumanji three. If we're gonna be oh, four. It's if we if, don't, well, don't count. I heard people say about Zathura. Yeah. Which is more of a companion piece than an actual Jumanji movie. But now we're way off topic again. <laughs> Jumanji, um, the last, the next level is fine. It's fun. I don't know. It's not as good as Welcome to the Jungle, in my opinion. But that's a side note. Um, so this is, of course, the last Skywalker saga film. The last John Williams score, which I will, I have ordered from Amazon. It hasn't gotten here yet. And I'm a big score listener. And he's the one that passed away? John Williams? No. Hey, oh, oh, sorry. bite your tongue. Oh, is that Hans Zimmer? <laughs> No, bite your tongue. What are you doing? These are like the best composers of all time that you're like... Who was the one? Which one? Johan Johansson? No, who's that passed the one that away? passed away recently? He did. Johan Johansson passed away. I don't know him. Well, I don't know. He's another composer. I don't know which one... I don't know what you're talking about. Was he the... No, the guy... The Titanic guy. Oh, James Horner. Was he the one? Yes, he passed away. Okay. Yeah. 
That's my only. Yeah, that's, that's the only, only one you know. Idea. You're like, that's the only sound score. I've, did you even have the Titanic soundtrack? No, probably. You did? Both. Oh, the God. soundtrack and the score. Well, isn't there just there's the two? Back, anyway, back to Titanic is the other <laughs> one. So uh, before we get into this, also this was directed by J.J. Abrams, obviously. Co-written by Abrams and Chris Terrio, who a lot of people are pointing fingers at because he was one of the writers on Batman v Superman. Uh, Dawn of Justice. So I, I've even heard, I think on the Slash Filmcast, they talked about do that? the Slash Filmcast, the whole Leia moment with Kylo Ren, which I don't want to get into. Spoilers. You know what I'm talking about? Huh. They said that I was very kind of Martha-esque. And I was like, oh, man. And it's the same guy, too. That's not not a good look, Star Wars. Um, so before we get into this, do you think it was a good idea, one, to bring J.J. Abrams back, given that they needed somebody kind of quick? And two, do you think it's a good idea that this is the last Skywalker saga movie? And then we'll finally get into spoilers and all that good stuff. Do you? I mean, obviously J.J. Abrams could do more with movies than I ever could. Right, right, and of course. And it's not like his movies are terrible. They're all fun. and But it's just... And I, I understand the reasoning that they needed someone quickly. But I think it was just kind of lazy of them. And I just, I know this is a podcast, so I just wanted to let people know I pointed to you in agreement. I was like, yep. And I think it would have been more fun if they got someone else. And it's not as if they don't have people lining up outside the door to go be a director of a Star Wars movie. Right. Is it not like they're at a loss for this? I mean, geez, even call Joe Whedon or something. J- Joss Whedon. After Justice League, anybody wants to call Joss Whedon. Oh, even though that, that wasn't was 100% his fault. his fault either. I'm surprised. That I mean, was a real, another complicated situation. Thank goodness Zack Snyder. Oh, goodness. Um, That's, so, I actually like Watchmen and Man of Steel. But, whatever. So, but no, I agree with you. It's kind of unimaginative. And he... he I just think he is boring. Like, he doesn't do... I'll, Anything different? I'll, I hundred after this movie, especially Force Awakens, I gave him a pass with because, like I said, it was kind of bringing the franchise back after three decades from where it left off the original trilogy. But and I like the, the his Star Trek reboot, but I'm also not a Star Trek person. So that's so why you I like it, really, yeah? Because reminds probably, of Star Wars. more or less. Super Eight was fine. Mission Impossible Three was was good, but it wasn't like amazing. Oh, was that I, the one with Duke Ray Scott? No, that was Mission Impossible 2. That was John Woo. Mission Impossible 3 is the, the one with the first one, Michelle Monaghan. Oh, he, that oh, was his first oh, movie. Oh, with Philip I like Hoffman. Lost, but it didn't really satisfy as far as answers and mysteries are concerned. He's got the whole weird mystery box thing that his, like, his storytelling, which is create a mystery box. And what's in the box? I don't know, but the fun is to keep the mystery alive. That's what Dean Koontz does with his books. Okay, well, he's not really that great at wrapping things up. He's admitted that himself. Uh, I yep, think he's exactly just, and generally I think he's a good director, but I don't think he should have had anything to do with the writing of this. Were there any I, flash flare, lens flares in this? Nah, probably. Probably. I don't, I'm not as attuned to that as a lot of people are. But I was talking to another past guest on the show recently, because obviously everybody on my Facebook, my personal Facebook knows that I'm obsessed with Star Wars. And uh, Candace Call was messaging me just today and saying, you know, maybe they could, they should have worked together or something. Uh, Abrams and Johnson. And I was like, yeah, if they had like if JJ Abrams had directed a Ryan Johnson script, this would have been much better. Or is it possible they were just too they have too big of egos? I, or, that. or too different of storytelling 
I feel like one of them would have walked away. Possibly. I, Probably I, Ryan Johnson. I think... Because he doesn't have as much clout. Well, I think they offered him... They may have offered him uh, this movie, and I think he's like, no, I don't want to do Knives Out. I, I think I remember part. reading the Knives Out So, movie. And I don't blame him for being like, fuck that. I'm out. I'm, I'm good. I got this out. I want to do my... Because he, he's an I'm auteur. surprised. He does his own things. He doesn't really... I don't think Ryan Johnson necessarily wants to be a franchise guy. I think he'll do a Star Wars trilogy if he's given complete creative control. And I think he'll do pop in and do a movie and then pop back out. But I don't think he's a guy. He doesn't want to be like... Uh, you know, like you mentioned, well, you mentioned Zack Snyder, who did like multiple consecutive movies, or like the Russo brothers, where we're like, oh, we're just gonna lock in and spend a decade in this franchise. I don't think he has any interest in doing like a Maybe Justin Lin. Like money, though. Yeah, well, there's, but and, he's uh, also he's got more of a creative variety. vision, and I think what I'm realizing with J.J. Abrams is he's a you know he's a solid filmmaker and he's a good you know visual storyteller and that kind of thing. I don't really think he does the most interesting or inventive. Narratives like films. I, I think they're just kind of yeah. Sorry, I go ahead. About Ryan, what you you know about me. Ryan I'll talk Johnson. too much if yeah, you don't stop me. But Ryan Johnson is that? I'm actually surprised that they would have gone back to him after the backlash from the Last Jedi. I wonder if that was right, like maybe even before the movie opened when it was. Uh, it's unclear maybe exactly they when he turned it down. Maybe yeah. Like it's a Star Wars movie. Everybody love it. Maybe well, I I mean I did an article for again cheatsheet.com. On directors who des- who deserved to make a new movie in the saga, and I had people like Taika Waititi and like oh that would been Catherine fun. Bigelow and like you know Brad Bird and and a bunch of different filmmakers that I think would be interesting. James Mangold was supposed to be a do a uh, Boba Fett movie. He did Logan and, and a bunch of other things. Uh, I think that they need to get some new blood into this franchise, and I think that it's time for the it's time for the Jedi to end. Like Luke says in Last Jedi, I think it's time for the Skywalkers to put the Skywalkers to bed. Uh, because that's been going on for 40 years, and if you're going to grow this franchise into a Marvel-style shared universe with multiple stories and stuff, you got to... Is that the plan? I... Probably. You got to get away from this is the one family and this is the one thing that we're, like, hung up on, and everything spins off... Everything spins off from the original trilogy. I mean, they proved with Solo that, you know, that was maybe... Whether you think it's a timing issue, release-wise, or just nobody wants to see a Han Solo movie... It's just you're not pumping any new ideas in there. You're just milking the old ones. And I think it's time for to step away from that and do something new. So any other spoiler-free reactions, whatever, before we get into the uh, actual content of this episode? I mean, and I, I think, I think, I don't, I didn't. Did you enjoy uh, this movie? Would yeah, you I enjoyed the movie more than you did, it sounds like. Well, I'm more critical because I'm a Star Wars fan, but ultimately I'll watch it anyway. And you're also more critical because you're a critic. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I understand all your criticisms, but it wasn't like terrible. No, no, I don't. I don't think it was terrible either. I think it was a letdown. As it was more different than the Force Awakens, at least. Right. Yes. Yeah. So wait, wait. How would you? That's that, that's go. That's a good segue. How would you rank this within at least the la- at least this trilogy? Like, is this your favorite, your least favorite, and the middle one? I did like the Last Jedi, the best. I'd say. I knew there was a reason I married you. And then I want Wasn't to say that? this one, too. I already married you. And then, then Force Awakens. Force Awakens is your least favorite, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. It's like, because we watched all the movies before The Force Awakens came out. You finally showed me. And it's almost as, it's like I saw A New Hope just before that, recently before them. I'm like, oh. I just saw this. What the hell? Yeah. 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 And I like that, um, I like that Ray. Ray is in these movies, and she's she's the star, and she's you know she's the protagonist. I like that because Ray is 
you know, she's, she's a woman, she's strong, she's beautiful, she's resourceful. And that is the, that is the general, that's the world that our daughters are up in. That. The other thing that I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And, and, you know, our daughter has a Ray, you were talking about Barbies earlier. Our daughter has a Ray doll up there. She sleeps with a little BB-8 every night and stuff. So she's really into, this will be the trilogy she'll grow up with. That's like her original trilogy. And she doesn't seem like she cares about Star Wars unless BB-8's in it. Like I have, <laughs> sort a, of. I have a Star Wars like, shirt that Rob got me that it's like the, the character the original from trilogy, the original yeah. trilogy. And she's like, is BB-8 on there? I'm like... No, honey. Well, I was listening to the Shakespeare <laughs> Star Wars audiobooks, and she's like, every time there was a beep, beep, squeak, squeak, whatever, she's like, is that BB-8? I'm like, no, honey, that's R2-D2. And then two seconds later, is that BB-8? I was like, no, that was R2-D2. BB-8's not in this one. She doesn't understand. Um, he is cute, though. Yeah. But also, I wanted to say, to your point about Ray, not only is she powerful and strong and all that, she's also emotional. She's also right. vulnerable. Yes. Like she's not like she's not like and I'm I'm watching The Mandalorian and this actress is on it so obviously it's just the first person I thought of she's not like Gina Carano Carano style she's on that she's on The Mandalorian Uh, and she's great on it I like Gina Carano but I'm saying she's not like I'm the buff I'm a woman but I'm super buff and badass as any of the guys like Ray is not like she's more like Wonder Woman where she's like compassion and and that's part of her strength her compassion her emotion her vulnerability and all that other stuff. Plus, she has like the darkness in her, and and that's not kind of not some kind of a weird Kylo Ren sex joke, um, but um, but yeah, she has she's a she's a more complicated uh, depiction of of a heroine in this kind of movie. And you know, before we get into spoilers, I would also definitely recommend to people that haven't seen this movie, obviously, to check it out. I do like it a lot. It's definitely my least favorite of these these this trilogy. It's probably middle of the list for me as far as the whole saga uh i think i'm probably empire last jedi new hope maybe force awakens range of the sith you're maybe. still putting those ewoks in there huh the ewoks still get rated the Probably ewok have... the revenge return of the jedi yes i didn't say that oh you didn't yet. oh you didn't okay. I, it's between right now it's i think return of the jedi is kind of edging this out Honestly, right now, which put this at like number seven, I think. Oh boy! Out of the like twelve or whatever, but I still like it. It's not like if I was going based on personal preference, they would all be above Rogue One and Solo because I'm into the Skywalker. Agreed. I, I know you don't like those, but uh, the the Skywalker stuff, the Jedi and Sith, and the, that epic struggle of good and evil. That's a that's the Star Wars stuff I enjoy. I'm watching the Mandalorian, and that's fine, but I'm not like that's not the bounty hunter stuff is not my jam. As you much don't watch as, for the bounty hunter. You watch for Baby Yoda. I do watch it for Well, that's why everybody watches I don't even watch it. the show, guys. I just know about it because everyone's talking about it, including my husband, including people at work. So I know all about Baby Yoda. He's cute. And how can, cute he is. You can go on like, and look at the gifts and, how the merch and get sucks. that. Yeah. Well, the merch hasn't even come out yet. The merch is, is like Are getting... Are they fixing it? They're pre-ordered and, and stuff now. They're like, there's a little bit out there, but not as much as you'd think. Because I don't think they were... Well, they were trying to keep it as a spoiler because it's revealed at the end of the... Anyway, it's the end of the, at the, end of the first episode. But I was saying, um, like, this whole Jedi, Sith, Skywalker, prophecy, chosen one, balance and stuff. Like I mentioned before on here that my whole big question with going back and looking at all these movies is the, the question of the balance in the Force. And if this movie was going to answer that, like, you know, where they were going to... What does it mean to be balanced in the Force? Two Jedi, two Sith? No Sith, all Jedi? Or no Jedi or Sith, and kind of something in the middle, which is what Carrie and I sort of agreed we wanted this to land on. I don't know if it 100% gets there, kind of, but not really. 
I, I think it does set up for something a, a, a definitely a fresh start with the franchise. And I'd love I'd love to see more movies set after this point, not involving any of these characters necessarily, or involving them in very you know very limited roles. That for Ray. No, I don't. I'm saying I don't want Ray. I don't want another trilogy with Ray as the star. I like. I want. I want this story. This the world. I want my money back. I want the post Rise of Skywalker world to have consequences going forward, where perhaps there aren't Jedi or Sith, and then we'll get into more details on exactly where this leaves off uh, in a second. So those are just kind of our spoiler-free reactions. I think we both definitely would recommend you check it out. And it's also really funny that we're like roughly an hour into this episode because when we do with the Force Awakens, we did an hour of preamble. And then an hour of like spoiler content. So it's, we kind of on accident did the exact same thing here, which I find really funny. And this is how you have two hour long Star Wars podcast. Because we go on, well, well we're not, we weren't supposed to talk for so long, kind of leading up into it. So this is how long we talk about other things that's that are true. not Star Wars. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, and I've talked to you about wanting to have another podcast that is uh, just life related, just because I think we have a lot of interesting conversations and. You know, I like to toot our own horn and be like, listen how cool we are when we have our forever conversations, honk honk. Um, We're not self-righteous at all. <laughs> Sometimes. So uh, the, that's, obviously we're talking about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So let's listen to a little bit of the trailer right now. It's an instinct. fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. That was a little bit of the trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. We talked about the whole bunch of the saga. I had a second to be like, wait, which which one is this? (laughs) Um, So now we're going to be going full force, pun intended, uh, with spoilers. And I can reveal that the wine we are drinking is Tall Dark Stranger, which I thought was kind of a nice uh, in memoriam for Kylo Ren. This is not spoilers. Partnership. No, it's unfortunately. Uh, just thought it was nice in memoriam to Kylo Ren, who, spoilers, does not survive this movie. So, Kai, let's talk about... the. I have a number of topics here. So, at the beginning of the film, it, it first of all, here's my issue with it. One, I was talking about how this movie doesn't really pro- serve as a natural progression from The Last Jedi. I think the fact that it starts out with, The dead speak! Emperor Palpatine has sent him transmission throughout the galaxy, and that's is the opening crawl. Which I'm really impressed that they still do the they still do the opening crawl. Oh, they got to keep that because it happened. It happened the way that it did because that was just something different to do, and they just did it by practical effects. Right. Well, now they probably do it. 
Oh it's yeah, like yeah. CGI. Of course, of course. No, but that's part of, and that's they're not going to do any more traditional episodes for a while. I imagine that means no, but no, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No opening crawl and that stuff. Anyway, that's or maybe super. Maybe they're going to keep it. I don't think, they, but they had they didn't keep it for Rogue One or Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. I did. I think that's super fucking lazy storyline. Lord, lazy storytelling to be like, and then guess what? Emperor Palpatine sent a message. Is he alive? Probably. I I thought was terrible. I think there's a million different ways they could have handled this. Um, so what are your thoughts in general for Palpatine being back at all? J.J. Uh, Abrams has said that, you know, his whole defense of it is, oh, Palpatine, if you go back and watch these movies in order of episodes one through nine, he's such a major, he's the entire, he's the big bad of both of the previous trilogies. So it's like you don't get to the end of a book and then the main villain of the whole story is not present in there. That's true. So that's an element of, that's that was kind of their ace in the hole, I think, to try and uh, unify the, the three trilogies. And of course, Ryan Johnson came in there and cut Snoke in half. Uh, but Snoke wasn't really that interesting anyway. We already are invested in Palpatine. So what do you did you think that 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 Palpatine's return was a good idea? And do you think that it was executed uh, effectively? Um, I thought it was a good idea because, if you know, what J.J. Abrams said, that does make a lot of sense. You can't, you know, Emperor Palpatine, well, Palpatine was a big deal in both both parts of the trilogy. What I'm curious about is what happened to the his mentor. They never explained that. Darth Plagueis? Yes. They insinuate that he killed him in his sleep in Revenge of the Sith. I guess so. He's like, oh, and then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. And then he kind of looks like, hmm, it was me. Um, he also supposedly, again, it's never 100% confirmed, in the films at least, uh, created life, created Anakin by manipulating the midi-chlorians. So that's like behind, oh, really? midi- behind Anakin's immaculate, con- immaculate conception in episode one, which means like there is no, there was no father. Um, so this, you know, that was one idea I, I've heard that was floated around regarding Ray that she was also it created like multiple that. Multiple times I've picked up on that. Mm, I mean, which part? I he says it in that. there, and it's, it's I mean, sitting right next to Anakin. I mean, it, I don't know. I, you also why don't watch these things as closely as but why I, I do. It, why would Palpatine care about Anakin's mom? I don't know if he necessarily. It's you're getting off track. We're supposed to be talking about Rise of Skywalker. Um, so, do you think it? Did you think they handled that in a an effective way here? Did you think it worked the way they brought him back, which was corpse guy on a machine? So, so wait, because he fell off. At the, at he the, got thrown off of the thing and died. He even says in yeah, this movie, "Yeah, that's a lot stronger." It's like I've died before. Than, yeah. I'm like, okay, why are you here then, Voldemort style, clinging to life? Yeah, um, I mean, it was weird that he was hanging by the little. A little mechanism. Yeah. And, um... Well, he's supposed, be, he's supposed to be basically kind of a living corpse, in a way. Yeah. Or, like, he, he built himself a new body, because obviously... And this is another element that's... But how the, would he do that if he was... if he? Well, this is an element I was telling you after you saw the movie. This is an element that's in some of the books that Palpatine does return in the books at one at some point. The non-canon Legends books. But he does clone himself. So he comes back and, by cloning himself. So there's elements of the... The, uh, you know, now stricken uh, expanded universe, I think, that they're tapping into here by bringing him 
back in as far as ta- tampering with cloning and all that stuff. And then they give kind of a half-ass explanation. We're like, I made Snoke. And we're like, okay, I mean, well, I guess. Well, like, what the, and about that, it was like, so he said, oh, I made Snoke. Well, right. why couldn't he just have been Emperor Palpatine to everybody? <laughs> That's a good question. Is it, it was, it, it, I guess maybe it is like a Voldemort thing that they, if he people, could, he wasn't strong enough or something. Or, or people knew that he was alive, it would be... Well, he's also got this entire, like, auditorium full of, like, acolytes, uh, you know, basically Sith worshippers being like, you're you're the man, Palpatine. Which was, by the way, I... I, Like we talked about in the movie, I think they were not really real because they just blew away when... You think they were, like, spirits from beyond, like, all the Sith Lords that have ever perished kind of thing? Yes. Because there is that great line with him where he's like, I am all the Sith. Or whatever. Yeah, I don't um, think that they were really there. You think they were like spirits? Because they or disappeared something? very quickly afterwards. It's after all very his death that whole again. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you for like the third and final time. What did you think about the way they brought him back? Did you did you think it worked, or did you think it was like kind of half-assed? Because I kind of feel like it was not explained slash developed very well, and I think that they revealed it in the in the trailers because that way in the movie it's less jarring when they just kind of open with Palpatine kind of there already. I, in a way, would have preferred that to be kind of a middle-of-the-movie reveal. That way you could kind of lead into it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I was Like, have his transmission go out in, like, like 15 minutes into the movie, the one that's referred to in the in the opening crawl, because as is, it's just kind of jarring, where you're like, wait, what happened now? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was thinking that when we were watching it. I was like, whoa, what? Yeah. Is that happening already? I think they could have done that a little... You know, if they want to do this, the same storyline with Palpatine this have him come back the exact same way whatever just like edit it a little better and just like have it be it, it would have been much much smoother a transition into that storyline which they again didn't set up in the previous two movies at all they say have him say that I built I made Snoke and all that but there's nothing in the last two movies to indicate that that's possibly a thing that was in play or even in the in their back of their minds until now um, well, one thing that they didn't show until middle of the movie was the fact that he was on the mechanisms. In right. the beginning of the movie, when we first see him, he's just like, hello, I'm here, and I'm creeping. I did, but okay. But that's it. Right. Like, and then he, but then when Ray goes and sees him again, he's he's still in the, he's still there, but now he's on the mechanisms. I don't think he like, can really oh, go. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. think he can't sustain think he can himself yet. Anywhere. That's why, yeah, that's yeah. why he's still That's why he's here. like, they need to come here. Because <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm. I'm on house arrest. I was doing all this stuff because I can't leave. <laughs> and it is very Lord Voldemorty because when you see him in the Goblet of Fire, uh, Peter Pet. This is a little teaser for our next uh, franchise series in 2020. We're going to be talking about Harry Potter, which I've mentioned. Uh, you see Peter Pettigrew show up at the Goblet of Fire with little tiny baby Voldemort, who's like, "I'm sort of alive, but also kind of mostly dead." Um, and then he throws him in the pot and gives him some magic, whatever bullshit. Um, and then he's like, "I'm a dude now, yeah." Damn, where'd my nose go? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but he has a, he's kind of basically barely clinging to life kind of thing. And, and I, I I like that. The, I mean, I love Palpatine's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. So I'm glad to have him back in this movie. I just would have liked had been set up better. I do think that one thing that the movie does that is really cool in basically the first scene is apparently that's supposed to be Mustafar, by the way, which I didn't get in the movie what? at all. That planet where... Exegel? No, 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 the the planet where Kylo Ren goes and it's like all red outside and he's like fighting people and he gets the Wayfinder that Uh, that talks to him and shit. 
That's supposed to be Mustafar, which you're like, what the hell is that? No, I remember Mustafar. You remember where, Mustafar? Mustafar is where Anakin. Wow, I'm so impressed right now. You remember the name of the planet yeah. and everything? That's, impl- that's yeah, impressive. Yeah, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Wow. When you said Mustafar. Okay, guys, I, now I'm speechless. Um, so yeah. All right, for, I'm kind of geeky too, I guess. <laughs> you, you know, this is. I'm gonna put this on the air. You with Mar the Marvel stuff and with Star Wars, like you like to be like you're too cool for that. Like you're like that's some geeky bullshit. I'm not into that. But then when we talk about it, you're like actually kind of more into it than you think you are. Like you're not a Star Wars fan like that I am, but you're a casual Star Wars I fan. I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> you're a casual. You're a casual. It's okay to be a casual fan. I you may have, have been reading Buzzfeed articles about some stuff. Whenever. About which stuff? Oh, Star Wars stuff. Ooh, really? You didn't tell me that. I don't think. Um, so yeah, that's supposed to be Mustafar, but they they do have that moment where he's like, "How'd you find that out?" It's been been on all over Facebook today, oh. where they're like, "That's Mustafar." I'm like, "Really? Why didn't you tell me?" You didn't. That Mustafar was like hot. It is kind of, but it's like I, I guess it's a different part of Mustafar. I don't know. I call bullshit a little bit on that. Like that's Mustafar, guys. It's called connected. I'm like, it didn't feel like it's Mustafar, but okay. Um, I, yeah, Unless see, J.J. I Abrams have, says that, I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't have known that it was. They have so all. many planets in these movies. They it's do. crazy. And they all, all have one ecosystem each, pretty, pretty much. There's like a new planet every movie. Well, yeah. Like, that's, like you gotta, you gotta expand the universe. Uh, but he does say, like, I've been every voice that you've ever heard. And he turns to Darth Vader and Snoke and that. And... Uh, Palpatine's voice. Why would talking he be Darth Vader? So he w- the 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 supposition or the you know the implication there, I guess, is that he was talking to Kylo Ren, and like remember in Force Awakens, Kylo Ren is like, "Tell me, grandfather, show me the dark side," or whatever, talking to the mask. That maybe he's been hearing voices of Darth Vader talking to him, and then it was Palpatine kind of manipulating him the whole time. Is sort of the uh, idea I think there, and it's I think like that he did with his grandfather. Kinda, yeah. What a sick fuck. Yeah, well, he's, spoilers, he's dead now. Um, so you think. So I like elements of the Palpatine thing. It just felt really shoehorned in, and I didn't, I don't think they, I think they could have handled it a lot better and made it feel much more smooth. But I like Ian McDiarmid, and I love, you know, the big showdown with him and Ray. And you've seen him amazing. at Comic-Con. I did see him and Ray Park. Before he was ever even cast. When he's movie. like, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm just going to come out of conventions to be like, remember I was the Emperor that one time? Now he's been he's been in six out of the nine. He's been in most of That's them. That's pretty good. Yeah, because the whole prequels, uh, he has a cameo in Empire, Return of the Jedi, obviously, and then this. And I have a sip of my uh, Tall Dark Stranger. So, so yeah. Any other thoughts on Palpatine's return in general? Like, did we? Did we? I think we liked that he was back, but I think we both had issues yeah. with the way he was back. Yeah. And he was like super creepy. Oh well, that was another reason. I'm like, this is he's not got like for children. dead white eyes kind of thing. Yeah, but he, but he didn't have his like deformities until you know midway through the battle, which I thought was cool. Uh, oh. oh yeah, Where he's did like go? because I think that was supposed to be a new body. That's what I'm saying. I think he's oh. like building himself a new body, but he didn't have his like spirit or soul or I don't know. He didn't have a soul anyway. So. Oh. Going from the Palpatine issue, the other the other big question I think a lot of people had going into this was Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Who obviously passed away in 2016, which is very sad and yeah. a big bummer, especially for Star Wars fans. Uh, do you think that they, air quotes, fixed the Leia, air quotes, problem? And how do you think that worked or did it? 
I think that her appearance was in the movie was distracting. Every, which were your words before, but I I understand why they wanted to do that because you you know she still had to be in there because she still had her part of the story that needed to be told, even though it was very minute because she wasn't alive to film them to film these scenes. So they just kind of put her in, used archive footage from Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and put her in these scenes with the um, the crew and with Ray and it was just weird. Like it just and she was very passive. I'm using your words again. And her acting, I was just like, oh, just it, it just it didn't Well, because sit those right. scenes are supposed to be like, tell me, what's the update on the battle? And they're like, this person's coming here and they haven't heard. And she's like, okay, let me know when you hear from them, that kind of thing. And you're like, this is the context that they provided in the movie is like, this is kind of dire. Like, why aren't you more upset slash actually emotional or interested in what's happening right now? So I think that that definitely is part of it. Um, I was, because I'm a crazy person, I was listening to uh, Little Gold Men, which I was telling you about this last night, and they were talking about the rise of Skywalker. And they were saying one theory that they had on their uh, Anthony Bresnikan for uh, from Vanity Fair was talking about how his kind of rationalization for it, and obviously this is not the way it was intended because they had what they had to work with, um, was that Leia was sort of had experienced so much loss and so was sort of kind of on her way out already kind of fading into the forest a little bit. And then maybe that could almost be a way that they could rationalize why she was kind of partially not present slash disconnected from things to kind of narratively have her disconnect uh, on screen with the other characters. That's true. I that's true. She did lose. She lost, she lost her son. She like, lost the, the dark, the dark side. She, she lost, lost Lord her, Darn. Yeah. She lost her, partner husband or whatever it's unclear there's no ceremony in these movies by her son yeah by the hand of her son that sucks and her brother oh, we'll get to on song. and her brother yeah yeah in a very short period of time true so i yeah. think she was oh, kind man, of now i feel sorry about that i'm sorry princess well Leia. i mean that oh, wasn't the Leia? that wasn't the uh Organa? the Jim context Organa. that that was intended i don't think because that was obviously from a different from a different point in the force awakens or whatever uh it's it kind of works i mean I'd prefer it to them being like in the opening crawl. General Leia, General Leia Organa has died. I'll be like, oh, that's lame. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. I, that would know, have been real in poor taste. Yeah, I, I mean, it's what, the worst taste would have been like. Here's a new actress who's now Leia, or Ew. here's a CG version of Leia. That would have been shitty. Well, the, well, it's like I was reading the trivia that after they did get approval from um, Tom Fisher and Billy Lord. They then Todd were, Fisher, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, her brother, right? Yeah. Um, well, able, Billy Lord's on set anyway. Yeah, we're able to then use, like, they were okay with them using the stock footage. So I really don't think they would have been okay with a, using a CGI. Right, right, right. Leia. Right. Uh, and I think we do, bec- even with that, there is, it, it's funny too, because we're watching this knowing what they had to deal with, kind of like Furious 7 when we saw that after Paul Walker passed away. I think we were just like, hmm, how's this work? How are they going to pull this off? What's going on here? Uh, how are they going to end his storyline? Like, how is he in this scene when, you know, whatever? Like, we were trying to find the seams. And this is going to sound terrible, but I feel like Paul Walker's death at the end of, or how they dealt with his death after uh, Furious 7 was 
more emotional I than agree. how they dealt with oh, I agree. Carrie Fisher. A hundred percent. I cried with, during the like Leia a, thing. They put a stunt double underneath the blanket. I, I, right. I cried in the Leia thing, but I cried more. I was more oh emotionally God, affected by the Furious. But in a scene. Fast and Furious movie, yeah. which is weird. Um, but I think we were, we're looking at it, and we're watching this movie in context. So I think we're kind of searching for the seams. And I wonder if years from now, people are even going to notice that. Like, if it's going to be as obvious to them that they, Leia had passed, you know, Carrie Fisher had passed away and that they had to stitch an arc together for the character. That's true. They tr- I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie again on Monday and trying to separate back from that and, and seeing, you know, because you watch a movie a, a, a totally different way when you're seeing it for the second time. Like, you're not paying attention as much to the story because you've already seen it. So now you're noticing little details or you're picking up bits of dialogue or jokes that went sailed past you or whatever. So I'm curious to see if, I, if I'm as bothered by it this time. Uh, I, I also do think that they were able to salvage a small part of her, her arc from what would have been episode nine had Carrie Fisher been around using mostly, you know, just clips of audio that they had and things like that, because she is pivotal to Kylo Ren's redemption. I'd like, I'd say roughly what, two thirds of the way through the movie, maybe, um, when she uses the last bit of energy she had. And again, I think you and I and the movie maybe are trying to imply that she was kind of, Losing the will to live, <laughs> kind of like her mom, oh, I guess. Um, uh, which you know is canon technically, so could be a little bit of that. She was feeling her life force was kind of being sapped at a certain point, and used the last of it to reach out to her son during that pivotal moment with that battle with Ray, uh, and played a role in his redemption in, in a way that she would have been more substantive in had Carrie Fisher not passed. You know what I mean? Like, I think that moment probably would have been a little cleaner. And I've heard, I've heard on again on podcasts uh, and then, and other people, critics and say, and stuff speculate that that would have been Carrie Fisher in that scene immediately after not Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I think that would have been, uh, that would have felt better. And I think in a way that's probably how they got Harrison Ford back because he wanted out in Return of the Jedi. I didn't think they got him back and they're like, listen, Carrie passed away. We're trying to make this happen. I think we need you for this. I think he probably came back just out of love for Carrie uh, than anything else at that point. Just as like, a, you know, his to do his part for to complete her arc. Well, I in think a way. that scene worked, though, because I think it, know, I think it like, worked, too. But I, 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 it's easy because... to imagine that that was would have been later. Yeah. But, he, but 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 the thing is, is that. Kylo Ren was tortured by killing his dad. And tortured by the memory of his dad. He wasn't tortured. He was, I mean, yeah, he was like, oh, my mom. I love my mom. But he wasn't, like, tortured by his mom. Because he right. could have gone back to her. Right. And he couldn't He, he couldn't kill her in uh, The Last Jedi, even though he almost did. With the, he almost shot the, the, you know, almost was the one that took her, almost, the one that almost killed her in The Last Jedi was him. And there's that critical moment with uh, Kylo Ren making that choice not to fire on his mom. Um, but you know, and this movie also early in, like in the first act, I think, uh, brings that up again that, yo, you've been haunted by what you did to your dad and blah, blah, blah. Like they, they mentioned that in the last Jedi and Luke even says like, I'll always be with you just like your father and things like that. So I think this movie again, reiterates the Han Solo and the impact that like, uh, Snoke says in the last Jedi, it split his, the act, the killing his father split his soul in two, I think, uh, and 
reiterates that. And, you, you know, you're right. That is his overall trauma was he did this kind of unspeakable act. And he's like, there's no coming back. And he says in this movie, there's no coming back. She's like, I can't go back to her and my mom and whatever. And I think that and I wrote about this in for was it for Cheat Sheet? It might have been for Cheat Sheet back in the day when I was freelancing for them. Uh, that I kind of think he's one of the most, he's kind of a, a more interesting character than Darth Vader. Uh, just because he has that conflict, like he does these things, out like it, it's, you understand him more than you have any of these other villains, up to this point. And I think that it, there's something very specific about a person's relationship with their mother than there is with their father. I mean, you and I see that with our daughter. She'd be like, eh, I don't like daddy. And she'll go and I go to mommy. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, I can't argue with you on that. That's your mom. You came from her. You spent nine months in her stomach and, and you came, you know, you came out of her, out of her butt, as I like to joke. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's something, there's a very primal connection that all of us have with our mothers. So I think that, you know, is it, I've heard people criticize that moment. Is it, is it easy or is it too quick, his turn, his redemption? And I'm like, yes and no. Uh, it he happens, didn't really turn until his, yeah, his dad came in. There. It happens quickly, kind of. But you also have to, and I guess we're kind of transitioning into the Kylo Ren thing. He also got uh, stabbed. I was going to say, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a, within a span of like five minutes, he's reached out to his mom, reached out to by his mom. Feels his mom transition into the force, which again, I just said, losing your mom. Remember, there's that scene in Thor The Dark World, not the greatest MCU movie, where Loki is like, oh, just chilling, talking to Thor. And then he drops the illusion and he's like all fucked up and his hair is all nappy and he's all just like destroyed the room because his mom passed away. Like you react very differently to your, you know, we all love our fathers. I love them, obviously. We all love, we love our dads and stuff, but... There's a very specific connection to your mom. So losing your mom is going to have a greater impact on you, especially if you're Kylo Ren and you murdered your dad and your mom is the only one you have left. That, especially, and your uncle's dead, like your only family you have is your mom and she passes away. That's going to make an impact on you and make you think, well, fuck, did I make the wrong decisions in life? So that happens. And then Ray stabs him and then saves his life. And then he has, has his dad's memory come back. Which I thought that was a beautiful, that was, and I've seen articles about this saying that that was one of the best scenes in the movie. And I kind of agree with that. Because that moment in The Force Awakens is amazing. And this scene, you know, when I heard rumors about Harrison Ford coming back in this movie, I was questioning how that was going to work. Because he's not, can't be a Force ghost. There was nothing in any of the movies ever that implied that Han Solo was even the slight, slightest bit Force sensitive. But they frame it as a memory of Kylo Ren's that is reappearing to him, which is why, um, even though I like to tease that Han Solo has, seems like he has a little more scruff, <laughs> he's a little more scruffy looking uh, in his ghost form than he was in his living form, which meant, I guess Harrison Ford didn't feel like shaving that day. Um, <laughs> but he approaches in the same way, he touches his face the same way. It's reenacting the moment from Force Awakens, only, you know, in Kylo Ren even says, um, you know, I know what I have to do. I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Now talking about turning to the light as opposed to murdering his own father. Uh, so I, I love that they restaged that entire moment with the complete opposite react, uh, 
result. You know, I'm now I'm thinking about this movie that we're talking about more. I'm like, shit, maybe it was too hard on it the first half of this episode. Because um, that scene is just beautiful, and I and I loved that. And I think it, it really sold his his urge to to redeem himself. But then it also, I think, in a way, sets up. And this is why I was saying earlier about how I think it, it's so important that we understand him so much and we empathize with him, but also kind of fear him at the same time. Because I think it makes sense that he would sacrifice his life spoilers for Ray in the end. Because I think he, at this point, he's after that point where his he's his dad appears to him and he wants to set things right. I think I don't really think he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna live a happy life and just hang out. I think he's more thinking, I need to make this shit right before I peace out. You know what I mean? I don't think he's like, I'm just gonna hang out and like. Ray and I are going to live happily ever after, necessarily. I think oh, he's just... Oh, that bunch of guilt, too. Yeah, exactly. He has a, such a self-loathing that's a weight on him, since, especially since he murdered his dad, but he's also killed lots of other people and done so many terrible things and been complicit, uh, which is, in this political climate, again, is a very loaded word, uh, and a lot of horrible things that the First Order has done. So I think, and I'm going on way okay, too long. So- I want to hear what you have to say on this. Go. No, no, and the First Order has done. And, and yeah, so I think in a way he kind of wants to peace out, but I think he just wants to redeem himself before he does so. One thing I was just thinking about when you were saying that is, what the hell? What is with this galaxy? Have they ever had happy moments where they're not... Not Star Wars, not, not Star... And not where the, they're not dealing with um, the the Clone Wars, the... the well, uh, again, like, like again. They God. have Emperor Palpatine, and then he disappears, and they and go back, back to this thing. Yeah, like... <laughs> What the hell? They're like, called, I, I, to, again, this is called Star Wars, first of all. And I like to keep, apparently this is, I don't know why, just because maybe because this is a series that I've involved a lot of people on the show. I'm very nostalgic for other guests I've had on this show, so I'm referencing them a lot. But Will Ashton, past and future guest of the show, has said, he's, you know, posted on his social media a few days ago. He's like, more than ever, now we need Star Peace. Yes, I mean, <laughs> This is always Star Wars. And, you know, he was being joking about the whole Star Wars thing. But it's it's a worthy point. It's like this galaxy is just always fighting. That's the Jesus. movie that I want to see. I want to see what Star their life... Star that's a, like what their life is like without the fighting. Or at least smaller... it's just a resurgence of new... Of new well, and that's what Mas Kanata said in Force Awakens. It's like the Sith, then the Empire, then the First Order. It's the same bullshit. It's just different forms. Um... And that's why I think, you know, maybe Star Wars Which could is benefit. Kind of, kind of reminiscent of our own yeah, political true. climate. And that's as, the same with entertainment. As as they do kick over. The- as Jojo Rabbit said, uh, the movie, not the character. Uh, it's, it's not a good time to be a Nazi. Um <laughs> Which is a great movie. Go see that if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit. But I, I did movie. actually want to say about uh, The Last Jedi that we do owe a lot to Ryan Johnson's script um, for The Rise of Skywalker. Because I liked what... Well, Ryan Johnson didn't write the right... Oh, you mean for his work in The Last Jedi yeah, for this? because okay. you know, it talks a lot... You know, it talks about balance, as you and Carrie mentioned a lot. And that... And take The Last Jedi where Luke Skywalker was about to go go bad for a second with with Ben. And, um, but he was, yeah, so he was Ben Solo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay, so he was never a Skywalker. He's Skywalker by blood, though. Right, but not by last name. No. Because they do the same thing in the United States. Okay, anyway. So, Apparently. Yeah, so, so Luke Skywalker for a minute was about to go bad. He was about to go more Sith, where he was gonna... Take out his nephew? Yeah. So that 
comes into play in The Rise of Skywalker. Making me want to watch The Last Jedi right now, and I have other things to do. It comes into play in The Rise of Skywalker, because already, with how the... With how the last or the rise of Skywalker ended, is you have you it, nobody, both Ben and Ray, they're not Siths, they're not Jedi's, they're in between, they're balanced. Well, they're good, they're bad. Just like Luke Skywalker was good and bad, he was kind of like he was. It's I guess almost, it's almost like people are complex and not all one or or all of the other. Thing. Like like when they said in Revenge of oh. A Jedi wouldn't do that. Like, how freaking... Oh, oh, wait. Which oh, one Maz, Maze Windu did. And that's in Attack of the Clones. Oh, whatever. He's like, how oh, freaking, yeah. He's how like, pretentious are you? Jedi, Count Dooku couldn't assassinate anyone. It's not in his character. You know, he was once... Because you know he was once a Jedi or whatever he says. And I'm like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, but... So well, the Jedi Order was... They were, like, arrogant kind of yeah. assholes. But Luke Skywalker was, like, really, like, the first one right. that had that complexity. On, like, in the movies, at least. I think movies. you see hints of that in some of the other characters, but yes. And that it, and he was also related to a, and he was a son of Darth Vader. Well, he almost turns to the dark, to the dark side in Return of the Jedi. I mean, he literally wants to strike down Emperor Palpatine, and Vader stops him with his lightsaber, remember? In that movie. Yeah. So, um, no, it's like you were, and that's the great thing about this trilogy and that, that I really like, and then I want to transition into the Rey side of things a little bit, um, is that... They really are the yin and yang, where that's and that's. I mentioned that on the on the podcast with Carrie, and she was complete in, in complete agreement about that. Um, that one is l- mostly light with a little bit of dark in the center, and then the other one is mostly dark with a little bit of light in the center. And I love that there is that they complement each other so well, and then to why you get in this movie, which is. What I I hinted at on my Instagram when I took a picture of my second and third Funko Pops that I've ever owned, that the two of them were apparently a new concept, which is now in Wikipedia, which is the Star Wars Wiki, uh, that they are a Force Dyad, which I thought was really is a really cool idea that they're they they are basically the Force version of a Yin and Yang, that they complement each other in that in that I way. I love the Yin and Yang. Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool because there's good in everyone, there's bad in everyone. It's just, you know, it's up to you to kind of focus on to to make again, this is very a very high Harry Potter, a very kind of classic hero's journey uh concept, but it's up to you to decide who you really are. It doesn't matter if you're a Skywalker or a Solo or a Palpatine. And it, I think that that leads us into Ray. It's like Ray, that parable about the dog it's like dog? I have the two the two dogs that oh, fight. I think you well, told wait, me this. Well, which before. one wins? We've been together. Oh, the one you feed. The one you feed the most. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that in a movie or something? Probably. There it's was a very that, famous. There was in a movie that I don't remember what it is, but that was in something. Sounds important. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound important. It sounds like something from yeah. It sounds like something from something I've seen. Um, so going into shifting, from, so we like Kylo's arc and the way it ended. I think yeah, that was, yeah. I think so. It's the, I love it's that the, he got the lightsaber in his like the, that was action. Oh that was actually God. a new. That was a new element. They added J.J. Abrams, but added. that that was all the people that are saying this completely shits in the face of the Last Jedi. I think it doesn't completely. It like partially shits in the face of the Last because it partially walks things back, but it doesn't completely undo things. And that was one element that of this movie that I really loved. For some reason, they're they're still connected and there's like force time kind of way still uh which i don't know if that 100 percent makes sense because in the last movie they were 
their minds were bridged by Snoke, supposedly. That was how they were able to see each other. And that happens in this movie, too. But Snoke is dead. So I'm like, are they still connected in that same way? Is that... Or, oh, I, I understood it that they were just getting more powerful. Maybe. Maybe that's... Like, she was, she was training. Maybe Snoke connecting their minds sort of unlocked that shit, too. Even more so. And then now they're tapping into it on their own. Yeah, I like that he grabbed Maybe. her necklace. And that was the first... Oh, yeah, that, that was, was a precursor. Oh, of what that was, was great. What was going well, on? No, there's a they little of that forward. in The Last Jedi when he like reaches out for her or whatever and he pulls his hand back and it's like rainwater on it because she was outside in the rain. There's a little of that. But now they're like transferring objects and stuff. There's a scene where... Yeah, yeah he's like cornered by the Knights of Ren and she's got the lightsaber and he's like, I need some help here. <laughs> whatever. And he like reaches back and grabs the lightsaber. Oh, man. That, you're getting me... I might bump this up now a little bit. I don't know. I, I might. And bump then we it got above. cheers from the audience when that I might happened. bump it up above Return of the Jedi. I don't know. It's close. It's close between. I, I like Return of the Jedi a lot. Elements of it. The middle act is is a mess, but. Um, and the, there were Ewoks in this movie. There were. I couldn't that you was believe they Warwick did Davis. That. that was Warwick Davis as the same Ewok from uh, Return of the Jedi. I can't believe they. Warwick brought Davis, the Ewoks who's going to be on a Willow show on Disney Plus, by the way, oh, which that you might watch. I love Willow. That'll be a Disney Plus show you'll watch. Not Mandalorian, but like Willow. Oh, I'm here. Um, but With Val Kilmer. I don't know if they're going to have Val Kilmer in it, but Warwick oh. Davis will be in it. We, Warwick Davis is such a huge part of our childhood. It's kind of weird. He um, was in Harry Potter as well. He was. He was. Um, and that was apparently from what I've heard, that was Warwick Davis playing Wicket at, at the end of the movie. And when this, the big, the big, very Return of the Jedi-esque celebration, uh, and that was Warwick Davis's son playing Wicket's son Aww. in that scene, which I thought was interesting. I was like, oh, that's what I've heard. Um, but yeah, that, the way that they used the whole force projection thing with the two of them, that was with the, the as far as the objects, the lightsaber, that was great. That was so cool. And Kylo Ren actually became like kind of a fun character by the last act because he was less brooding and like depressed and stuff. So he was actually his kind scar of... disappeared. Did it really? Yeah. It's like on it... his face? Yeah. Really? I it have went to go. away. I'll have to look at that on Monday. Um, so Kylo Ren's story was great. Like I said, the story, the bigger mythology was, stuff in this movie it was, was his a little emotional goofball. scars transferring to his body, his physical body. Maybe. Well, force healing is a thing. Now, The Mandalorian set it up the day before The Rise of Skywalker came out, which I thought was interesting, Oh, I too. can't believe it. It sounds so coincidental. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's almost like they released it like that way on purpose. Um, so Ray's storyline. So Ray is, Ray is training in this movie uh, they did a under lot of Leia. Forwards. I like huh? that. They did a lot of pay it forwards, which I liked. What do you mean? So, like, they um, had the scene where Kylo Ren t- takes her necklace from her. And a lot like, of setup and payoff? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, pay it forwards are different kinds of... Uh, no, and um, so then yeah, they did that later with the lightsaber, so it made more sense. And then they did the force healing. That's when good screenwriting. Did, yeah. Set up in the payoff, yeah. And then they um, did it with that little snake dragon trimmer thing. Right. And then it she, was yeah. like uh, it was a basilisk. It was like a basilisk from again another Harry Potter reference. Because I'm getting ready to rewatch all the Harry Potters for next year, so it's kind of felt like very basilisk esque. Um, so Ray's training in here, and she goes on this whole. Galaxy trotting adventure with Finn and Poe, who I love those two, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, and we're gonna have to make this relatively fast. So Ray's story, I thought was great. Uh, what did you think about the fact that she was a Palpatine and the implications that that entails? That was an interesting twist. Um, and I think you know, and I'm glad that she stayed 
Not, primarily good. We knew and that. I did you like, really? Did you really think she was the dark no, gray thing? But I did like the yeah, scene okay, where good. I did like the scene where her dark side came out. She had like that vision. Yeah. Now yeah. that lightsaber is gonna be selling everywhere. But um, but one thing though that bugged me was that she's so private that she doesn't even tell them what's going on. She just like starts walking away all the time and doesn't you know. And I'm just like they're trying. They're staying there to save your life, and you're being kind of self centered, and. Um, because it was, it was like more, I mean, she did tell me in the movie, like, Hey, don't come with me. You know, you could risk it. Well, she's isolating herself. I mean, at the very beginning, Poe is like, Hey, you're an awesome fighter. We can need you. We need you out there. Why are you over here hanging out? Like training and bullshit. Like she's isolating herself. But also she didn't do that. Then she would, she would have probably perished earlier. Well, there you go. You just talked yourself out of your But no, but no, then she's walking away. They're at the, they're at the spaceship to... To get out of that desert place, and she's like, she just gets off the ship. Doesn't even tell them where she's going. She's like, I'll be right there, and then just goes. She doesn't say, Oh yeah, I want to go fight Kylo Ren again. Right. And that's selfish. And oh, and she, she goes to the top of the to the top of the ship in the, in the, in the gets, ocean planet or whatever. Yeah, she's and Finn's oh, that like, too, that Finn's too, like, Wait a minute, Ray. Yeah, and he like, tries dude, to save her again. I'm like, dude, man. You've been friend zoned. Everybody's. You know what's really jacked up? And maybe this as someone who's been multiply friend zoned in the past pre-Kai obviously it's like Ray's friend zoned Finn Finn's friend zoned Rose I'm like what's going on there's no like sweet sweet loving happening in this resistance it's a bummer everybody's like friend zoning each other even though I have my theories as to uh, Finn, Ray, and Poe as a thruple but you know that's my own personal fan fiction I guess <laughs> after the like fact it's not just you it probably it isn't there's, a, there's been storm pilot stuff which I told you is Ray and Finn and I or not Ray and Finn uh, Finn and Poe and I don't know how much Poe and Ray stuff there's been but I mean that hug at the end there's a similar hug with the three three person hug in uh, at the end of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban at some point when Buckbeak is killed that they have like the three person hug which is supposed to be a visual homage to Itumama Tambien, which is the movie about the two men that have the sexual relationship with the woman. They have like the whole. You ever heard of an oh, Itumama Tambien? J.K. Rowling would do that. No, no, Itum- No, the movie, the third movie was that moment was a visual callback to Itumama Tambien, which was also directed by Alfonso Cuarón, who did Prisoner of Azkaban, which I'll talk uh, about with Jackson in a few months. Okay. Um. So that felt very much like a, th- kind of just. Giving a little, a little uh, tidbit of uh, visual information for the internet if they wanted to run with that thruple theory. Which, as someone who thinks all three of them are pretty attractive, I'm like, all right, that's something new for Star Wars. Let's let that happen. And geez, Cause, and Poe is a grouch. It's telling. Oh, but leave Oscar Isaac alone. Um, it's telling that that I, I thought he was really fun in this movie. I think this was probably the most fun that Poe has ever been. He's the most playful. He's the most Han Solo esque. I was. Just about to very say that much. He's very, he's very much Han Solo in yes, this movie. He is. He's got kind of that like shady, quasi. He's a spice runner, which we find out that he was basically a smuggler in this movie. It sounds like at a certain point. So it's like okay, now they they're really leaning into Han Solo hardcore. Uh, he's like if Han. Well, I was gonna say if Han Solo had become a Resistance pilot and he kind of became a Rebel pilot, sort of. So a Rebel general. Uh, so oh, and JJ Abrams did another another uh, property. Felicity. He did. Well, we didn't even get to that yet. But we'll I get was, to the new people. We, we have a lot to cover in the next 25 oh, minutes or whatever God. before 
for the people listening to this, recording this on Saturday night, and Eddie Murphy is about to host SNL in 25 minutes, so I'm trying to get this done as much as possible. Um, so, so yeah, so Rey being a Palpatine, do you feel like that was a betrayal of the fact that she was supposed to be a nobody in The Last Jedi? No. Or do you... Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I feel like... No, when I heard this, she's like, you were nobody. Well, I even said to you... like, that's bullshit. I even said to you at the end of the movie, I'm like, Really? How does he know? Kind of is. I mean, because he felt it in the forest. That's like, I mean, he's like, well, they chose space magic, but no, because it kind of works. Yeah, I. I mean, I like the idea that someone as special as Ray can come from no. You don't have to be part of a special lineage. Uh, But I also think that this movie finds a way to kind of have its cake and eat it too, where her parents technically weren't were nobody, and that. She had the, she had this darkness inside her, and there was actually the movie explained a little more of a reason why she had that darkness, but it also it also boils down to again the the uh, Harry Potter thing, and I keep going back to because Harry Potter and Star Wars have a lot of thematic similarities, where he has that connection with Lord Voldemort, where they he kind of they're again mentally connected, where he can speak parcel tongue because some of his abilities and stuff transferred to him in this when he tried to kill him with the scar and all that. Uh, I think the but Harry Potter chooses to be a hero, not a villain. Chooses to do good, not evil. And I think Ray, being a Palpatine by blood, but choosing at the end to be a Skywalker, I think is very. I don't know. It's 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 you know it's a little cheesy. Her being like, "Oh, what's your last name?" And she's like, "Skywalker, Ray Skywalker." I was like, I mean, it's a little cheesy ultimately, but it's Star Wars. So Star Wars has always been a little cheesy. Let's be honest. Um, and I think it's in a way a clever way because I, I told you right after the movie there were I think three predominant theories about who Ray's parent who Ray's what Ray's family name was going to be and they were Palpatine, Kenobi, and Skywalker. And this movie had two out of three, and as Jack Nicholson said in Mars Attacks, two out of three ain't bad. Um, so I thought it, it, it kind of works. Is it a betrayal of Ryan Johnson's concept that and people anybody can come from anything? Kind of the ratatouille, like anyone can cook, kind of thing. A uh, little bit, kind of, uh, but it doesn't piss me off so much. It doesn't piss me off as much as the fact that Rose has nothing to do in this movie, and Dominic Monaghan is just kind of hanging out, getting all the Rose lines, basically. Uh, as much as I like Dominic Man- Monaghan from Lord of the Rings and Lost. Uh, it, yeah, so I don't know. I, I ultimately like the way that Ray's story ends. I like that uh, I like that, that we get that we do get that hashtag Raylo moment in the movie where they do kiss, where I even leaned over to you during the movie like, oh, Carrie's going to be so happy, <laughs> which I know we're mentioning Carrie a lot in this episode, but it's because she, she and I, you and I, you and her are the only people I've talked to on podcasts about this trilogy, so... Uh, yeah, and I like the fact that Kylo Ren dies in this movie. Not because I don't, not because I don't love that character, because I do love that character. I have a Funko Pop and a like twelve inch tall figure that I. Uh, you don't have one Darth Vader. I don't so have. I used to have. A, I had a bank of like a, a bank of Darth Vader from back in the day that my parents I think still have. Um, but I, I because if this is the end of the Skywalker saga, yeah, Rey is a Skywalker, but not really. So if this is the end of the Skywalker, it should be the end of the bloodline, which means all the Skywalkers need to be dead by the end of this movie. And at least now you know they're not related. <laughs> yeah, they're not twins like uh, in the in the books. Han and Leia have Jason and Jaina, who are twins. One goes to the dark side and one doesn't. And then they have a, a younger 
kid child named Anakin Solo that I think it dies at some point. Oh, I didn't wait, read so all the Kylo books. Kylo Ren was never in the comic books. In, in the books? in the novels, like not in the in the legends, like the ones that are not. No, they they wow. kind of okay. Disney just threw all that in the garbage and started fresh. But they're taking elements of that. Mm. That I think, it, it, you know, they're getting, in the way that Marvel Comics doesn't, like, slavishly adapt their comic books, they take them and they're like, all right, how can we make this make sense for this universe that we have, and uh, cinematically? So, I, you know, they still kind of, I think, reference that as source material now and again. Uh, so, okay. So, going through overall, like, the, the structure of the movie, the fact that they're chasing this Wayfinder, and they're chasing this Sith dagger, and things like that. Did you enjoy that? Because I've heard some people criticize that as kind of a video game like quest thing just where like chasing MacGuffins around I thought it was kind of cool I mean I thought the Wayfinder was like a beautiful I thought it was beautiful and I thought uh, I mean it seemed a little too easy that she's like oh this dagger this well, what about oh look oh, it has a, yeah. oh, you have to stand oh, in this very that. specific I'm like, oh. spot I'm like wow you stand right? in this very specific spot and there oh it makes perfect sense I'm like oh, well, what, if, what so if the smart. what if the Death Star hadn't like landed in quite that angle like you know what i mean i don't know there's so many like there's ginormous plot holes there um and it's also they sink they fall in the sinkhole and finn is like oh i forgot to tell you that i was like i got the hots for you and we all like we know that we know that since the beginning of horse awakens but apparently john boyega has said that it was actually he was going to tell her that he's implied or hinted john boyega has that he was going to tell her that he's he's kind of force sensitive that he's like, it's an instinct, a feeling, because a couple times... Oh, because he did say it's a feeling. Yeah, he has that kind of like, I think this is what we need to do kind of thing. And why didn't he just tell her that? I, he didn't Afterwards. get a chance. He got so, I Because they want to leave the... Yeah, I know. They want to leave it up to you, I think. Uh, but they sink and they fall in the sinkhole and they're like, what? This is exactly where the other guy yeah, left I off. Know. And that's how they find the dagger, I think, right? Yeah. That else... It, that, again, this is one of the elements... Like I like the characters in this movie, obviously. I loved some of the moments in this movie... The overall story of we're chasing this dagger to chase this thing to get to this wayfinder to get to the exegol I'm like oh, it's just not it's just kind of I don't know kind of boring and bland like the overall structure of the story uh, even though I love where the characters end up and I love most of the things that happen to them along the way uh, and why couldn't Rose go with them because this movie has no interest in Rose because Rose is a Ryan Johnson creation and this is a JJ Abrams movie I guess. I, I agree. I don't like the way they had they they I, I listen. I have that's another note I have here. Not enough Rose one because I like Kelly Marie Tran and I like that character and you know I, people hate her but you know I, those people are probably mostly assholes. So I would have loved to this movie to give them the middle finger and be like, guess what? Rose is the key to the whole thing, bitches. Rose is a, not a Skywalker or something, but you know Rose is is important. And said this movie's like okay, you guys are right. Rose is gonna hang out and like watch the, watch the door or something. Um, I, I not enough Rose. I loved. I hope that Kelly Marie Tran gets a chance to play this character more, uh, in Disney Plus shows or whatever, or that Kelly Marie Tran gets another big gig now after this that'll actually appreciate her because it's unfortunate. Star Wars kind of did her dirty. I feel like uh, there's not enough Maz Kanata. The horniest little alien in the in the she galaxy. She had more to do in this movie than the Last Jedi. Yes, she had a cameo in the Last Jedi, but I wanted Maz to be like have her own little side quest going on. Uh, so more Maz Kanata always. 
Uh, I wanted more Lieutenant Connix, who's kind of a non-entity in these movies, but that's only mostly because I love Billy Lord in Booksmart, and I have a mild crush on her because of her Old Navy commercial. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's, a, there's a lot of characters in here that I, that I wanted to see more of, uh, but the people that were in it, I mean, I didn't have, like, I liked what they were doing. Uh, I like the fact that the galaxy, as they call it, the galaxy trotting adventure, because it feels like globe trotting. It feels like a national treasure or like a James Bond where they're jumping from country to country. Only they were just like, we're going to go to this planet. Now we're going to go to this planet. Now we're going to go to this planet. Uh, I liked all that mostly because we got a lot of chance, a lot of time to spend with Poe and Finn and Rose, uh, not Rose, unfortunately, Ray. Uh, Poe and Finn and Ray, and I loved their chemistry, and I thought the dynamic with the three of them was a lot of fun. And we haven't really ever seen them, three of them, interact in scenes before, so that was nice. Uh, any thoughts on that before I keep going? Um, I just kind of what I said earlier, though, that Ray was doing her own thing a lot. Even yeah. when they were together, she's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta abandon you again. And... Um, it's like, I got a, I got Jedi business to attend to. And you're like, so what the hell? Like, I like the fact that she's so independent, but it also bugs me because she's not necessarily Because like it's a, a hindrance player. to everyone else's mission. Yeah. yeah. That's not a good really point. Like a team player. That's a good point. And she, I think sometimes gets a little bit too involved with her, with her, with her skills that she's just like, oh, okay. Well, I, I, I got to go train. You guys wouldn't understand. Yeah. I'm off on my Jedi biz. I'm like, all right. And Jesus. I like that they're... That's pretty amazing. They're all really good flyers. I mean... I mean yeah. They're good pilots. Pretty much. I mean... Uh, speaking of good pilots, good segue. I really like not only the fact that they randomly ran into Lando, but the Lando's in this movie, and also the fact that they... Uh, like, I don't remember who... I think it was Finn, Poe. Somebody asked him, like, how did you guys do it? How did you win last time? He's like... It was Poe, I think. Yeah, he's like, we didn't know what we were doing. Me, Han, Leia, Luke, we all just like had each other. I thought that was awesome. That was a lovely like tribute to the original trilogy and and those characters. Leia was still alive, I think, at that point. Yeah, because she's like, go give my love to Leia, that kind of thing. I thought that was beautiful. Um, that was a, that was a lovely moment, and having Billy Dee Williams back as that character was so much fun. Even if it was basically that one scene, and then later showing up in the. Millennium Falcon uh, at the big final battle. And they didn't kill him off. He's still around, right? He didn't yeah. die. So Billy Dee Williams and Lily Lando can still carry on in stories. Uh, what did you think of uh, the way that they rounded out? Are they going to do a Lando movie? I want them to. Can you, Billy, okay, now that was, here's a quick two-minute segue on the Lando thing. So Billy Dee Williams came back as this character in Solo, which was not my favorite movie of the Star Wars movies. It's fine as a Star Wars movie. As a regular movie, it's, it's fine, but as a Star Wars movie, it's, eh, it's okay. Um, what, if, what about a Land, Lando, a Star Wars story where Billy D. Williams in the present is telling a story from when he's young, so then you get both of them in the same movie. Oh. Make it happen, Disney, Lucasfilm, Disney Plus, whatever, somebody, because I would love to see Donald Glover and Billy D. Williams both playing this role, kind of jumping back I'm and forth on what, Yeah, I'm curious on what Lando was even doing after... But you see, this is this is why, again, one minute sidebar. This is why that should have been Lando, a Star Wars story. What was Han Solo doing? I don't know. Getting a blaster, meeting Chewbacca, getting the ship. We, all the shit we already know he did. What was Lando doing? We don't know shit about what Lando was doing. Except for losing the ship. We have no 
in the original trilogy, you have no concept of what Lando's life is like, except that he was kind of dirty like Han Solo, and now he's gone straight and he's like administrator of Cloud City or whatever. That's pretty much all you know. That's a backstory worth exploring. Don't just show us the Cliff's Notes version, version of Han Solo's life. The hell wants to see that? I guess nobody, because it didn't do that well at theaters. Um, so General Hux, what did you think about oh. the way? I thought that was really, I mean, he's not the most interesting character. He was more interesting to me in Last Jedi than he was in Force Awakens, I think. Is that because of the jokes that they were playing on? Yeah, they made him like he's a goofball, and they made him like a buffoon in that movie. And I love that. Because I thought in Force Awakens, him being like a Hitler stand-in with the like, we will destroy the first order. I thought that was kind of, that kind of fell flat for me, actually. That whole speechifying in front of the Nazi stormtrooper army was not, and I say Nazi in air quotes, obviously, the First Order, but that did not particularly work for me. I thought Last Jedi used him much more effectively. And it makes sense, based on what Ryan Johnson established, that he would turn on the First Order just because he fucking hates Kylo Ren so much. And I thought that was really satisfying. And also, so was his death. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, good. That guy was kind of a dick anyway. Um, and they brought in Richard E. Grant, Oscar nominee for Can You Forever? Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which is a great movie that I haven't shown you, by the way. Yet. We should watch that one of these days. Uh, what did you think of his character, General Pride? Fine. Kind of an imperial officer type, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. No, no, I, but I think we, I think we both suspected that General Hux was the spy. Well, that's an easy way to write him out, and it's also an easy way to give him something interesting to do for a few scenes before you kill him off. So I was really happy with that. Uh, the new characters in general, we talked about Dominic Monaghan as, Dude. I don't know, yeah, resistance pilot number six or whatever. I don't even know if he has a name, honestly. Uh, it wasn't interesting. Don't care. I like Dominic Monaghan as uh, Mary from Lord of the Rings. I had to remember his character for a second. And as uh, Charlie, Charlie Pace from Lost, which again, another J.J. Abrams thing. So I think J.J. Abrams was just like, hey, you were, I worked with you on that show. Come over here. Hey, Carrie Russell, I worked with you on that show. Come over here. Uh, I thought she was it's good. She's loyal. I, yeah, he is. Oh, she was also in Mission Impossible 3 for the same reason. I thought she was, you know, she only had a couple scenes here really, but I thought she was good. I like Zori Bliss. I, I like the fact that there's like, a, you know, she gives us a little more insight into Poe Dameron's backstory. Clearly, I have a low-key Oscar Isaac infatuation that I've alluded to a couple times. Um, so I'd like to see more Zori Bliss in some form, in animation, in another show or movie or whatever. So I think that character is interesting. Janna, the character... I'm actually surprised that she was still, you know, living because that whole planet was raided with stormtroopers. Yeah. Well, she's badass. And she's Carrie Russell, so... Like it, it seemed, it, you it seemed like the, with that character that she could have easily been a a dead person. No, not a dead person, but she could have been one of uh, Supreme Leader's um, people. You know, just on that planet yeah. too. She got a cool helmet too. Yeah, but why did? Yeah, it was just kind of. I didn't get the Funko Pop of Zoe Bliss though. Really Do you remember back in the like not late nineties, early two thousands when she had that like awesome Felicity hair and people were like, oh my God, Felicity's hair and then she cut her hair and people were like, oh my God, what happened? You destroyed your show, canceled or whatever. Yeah, I, like Jesus. I never watched that show but I'm sure it's good. I like Carrie Russell and the things that I've seen her and I have no issues, no beef with Carrie Russell. Uh, I just think this movie introduces way more characters, new characters than it really needs to and I think oh, I like said, Baba Frick? 
I, I did like, I actually didn't even write a note about Babu Frick, but if Babu Frick was the bong, I would totally, if we got a, if we had a little, if we had a little Babu Frick doll, our daughter would toss BB-8 in the garbage can. Babu Frick was really cute. And Dio was really cute too. I thought, I like both of them a lot. Like I'm fine with the cute little back. Cause I mean, let's be honest. Star Wars got to sell toys. That's that's part of what these movies do. The merchandising is huge. Merchandising, merchandising. To go back to the Spaceballs thing. Yeah. So I'm totally, I mean, I'm used to that slash expecting it. That that was the whole Porg thing. And Porgs, who again show up in this movie briefly. Uh, when Ray goes back, you look like you're yeah, confused. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you look like you weren't sure. Um, so I was cool with all of that. Uh, Babu Frick and Dio were really fun. Uh, I just think they introduced too many like main characters that we're supposed to care about, like like Zori Bliss, like Dominic Monaghan's air quotes dude. I don't know his name. Um, like Jana, who I'm Who's like that. Jana is the uh, former stormtrooper, whatever lady who kind of has a quasi romance thing going, starting with Finn. Oh yeah, and that character yeah. was a big nothing. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm 36, so I feel like a old fogey using this word, but it felt like a big nothing burger to me. Uh, I didn't. I mean, she was fine. I don't think you. I think you didn't really need her there for really any reason whatsoever, other than to give Finn another love interest that's not really going to go anywhere, like Ray in the first Maybe movie, show like up Rose. In the next movies. What next movies? We don't know when those are. And the did you did you did you read that as Jana being possibly Lando's daughter? Like, what was that supposed to be? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that what they're saying? Because also, on one hand, I'm like, well, if that's the case, then just say it. Don't make us be like, well, what about me? And secondly, Maybe she doesn't know, but he. Secondly, does. can we have more than three black people in, in these movies without having them two of them be related? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a no. It's like you're black. I'm black. We must be related. I'm like. I let's just let it be. Nobody cares. Stop trying to tie everything together. It's fine. Uh, I didn't think we really needed that. Like that was the thing that was so fucked up when Force Awakens came out. People were like, Ben John Boyega's playing him. Is he Mace Windu's kid or Orlando Calrissian's kid? I'm like, how about he's just another black guy? Jesus. <sighs> just like that's. I mean, it's it says a lot about how white these movies are that people are like, it must be related to one of the other two black guys we met. Um, well, I like that though. They're trying to be more diverse. No, I like Even that, but don't connect them road, all. Where like there's roads. one black family in the galaxy. I did find it weird that there seem to be women and people of color in the first order in this movie, which I didn't like because I always thought the first order being mostly white European men. I thought that made a lot more sense because it's supposed to be kind of a white supremacist, like Nazi kind of thing, which is why they're all like they all look like Don Gleason or Peter Cushing and things like that. So it felt weird. Like I noticed there were some women and or women of color in the in the first order. And I was like, I don't know. You're messing with my uh, my my. Uh, There's women and women metaphors. and people of color in the Trump. There the are Trump supporters that's too. True, so. Which I pointed. I want to say this. I make sure I say this on mic. The whole Exegol Sith thing. I felt. I was like, I leaned over to you during the movie. I was like, it's like a Trump rally up in here. Um, so I, I, we're running out of time. We have a few minutes here. So there were a lot of cameos for a lot of the Jedi. I pointed out to you during Ray's big like final showdown with Palpatine. That was uh, Luke and Mace Windu and Qui Gon and Ahsoka and Kanan Jarrus, aka Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, Trivia confirmed all this. A lot of that. Anakin uh, and even uh, Ayla Sakura and Luminara Unduli. A couple of female. Ewan McGregor, too? 
I, Obi-Wan, both Obi-Wans, yeah. Both Obi-Wans were in there. So I obviously loved I didn't all know of that any shit. Of those people. Well, you don't, there was a lot happening there. Again, when I go on Monday to see it again, I'm, I'm going to be like listening for all that shit. Um, of course, we talked about the Han Solo cameo. Luke has a cameo briefly with Ray, which we knew we was going to have that. Uh, do, 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 uh, Luke and Leia training. That was cool. That was awesome seeing. Like, I still think it was Billy Lord. It, it might have been. It might have. I mean, it, it, it would have made sense. She would have been around the right age for Leia at that time period. The way that they made Leia look, it looked like it was supposed it to be soon. Well, no, it looked like it was supposed to be set soon after Return of the Jedi. Like, you know, like a couple years after that, which means Leia probably would have been late twenties, which is what Billy Lord is. So, mm-hmm. Mark body looked like wise was, and frame you know, wise and face wise, put just put in there, and for when he was from the movies, and then. Um, Princess Leia, she looked more tangible. I can yeah. see that. That's why I was like, and it also looked like Billy Lord. Yeah, it could. I mean, they're but they didn't it's her daughter, so you put her in the body. Billy Lord was on set and and everything, and obviously it looks like Carrie Fisher. You put her in in the have her be the body double, and then just tweak the face a little to make it look more like Carrie Fisher and less like Billy Lord, and you're good. I really liked her lightsaber, and I love the fact that Ray had Luke's saber and Leia's saber, which leans into the whole finale scene with her being a Skywalker and their spirits appearing to her. That was all great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry right now talking about it. I got emotional during that moment. There was a Leia moment when she passed away. And then that moment, there, I think maybe another during the finale with all the voices where I got emotional. What about the scene but with it, the two lightsabers and then fighting Emperor Palpatine? That was great. That was just badass. That, that was, was just really goose, cool. That was goosebumps. That wasn't tears. She uh, died for that. She did. She died and Ben Solo sacrificed himself, which, good. That's the right choice to make. I was sacrificed myself for Daisy really too. So uh, is there anything, uh, did you think this movie killed enough people? Enough of the main characters, considering it's like the big stakes of the big finale. Do you think enough major characters died in this movie, or did you think did the, did the stakes feel real and real enough Weren't or like high enough? People that died. Well, I mean, most Star Wars movies kill like at least two to three slightly major characters. I mean, here we lost Leia and Ben and Hux, I guess. Um, did you think? I never Palpatine again. Oh yeah. Well, we barely got him back, so that's fine. He 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 went back to where he belonged. So did you did it did it feel too similar to Return of the Jedi in any respect? Because there are some similarities to this movie, but I feel like it's kind of in a class on its own in a lot of ways. Is, I mean, I knew something was going on with Ray when with her Palpatine when she could do the lightning bolts through her fingers. Oh my god, we gotta talk about that real fast before we round out uh, sign off. What did you think about the fact that we almost thought Chewbacca got killed? I kind of almost wished it was a bad, badass. Like I, I was kind of, I was revealed, relieved to see that he was alive. But I was also like, it felt like a little bit of a cop out too. Like I love Chewie, I don't want him to die, but it's also like that would have been a really impactful moment. But and then I feel like it would have been hard for the audience to stick with Ray if she killed Chewbacca. That's true. And I feel like we would have been like, fuck Ray then. Chewie, Chewie is very beloved in the Star Wars fan community, which is why Peter Mayhew's passing was so. You know, so difficult for a lot of Star Wars fans in general because he's been such a major part of the franchise. So, what are your you know your thoughts about this in comparison to Return of the Jedi and as in generally as a finale as we kind of winding down because it's eleven twenty eight and we're about to watch SNL. Um, I think that it, overall it did it did well and I was um, I'm glad that she didn't kill Chewie because yeah that was you know one as a as her character she doesn't want to kill anybody 
that's what makes her good. That tug of war with the ship with Kylo yeah, Ren. Yeah, that, really, really cool. that was really cool. It's kind of, okay, it's cool. You're like, wow, she's it's got cool if you're into it, but if you're not into it, you're like, this is fucking goofy as shit. Two actors standing in a field with their hands out, which is like, it makes me think of Revenge of the Sith with Obi-Wan and Anakin being like, with their hands in front of each other with making their pooping faces. Uh, so no, but I love that scene because I'm obviously into it. So any other thoughts on the, on any other thoughts on the movie in general? What do we want to see next in the, in the I, Star Wars I movies? I want to see Ray again. You want to see more I Ray? Do. I do. As the main character or as a supporting character for other people? Maybe a supporting character, but I do like Ray, and I hope that she stays. And you know, we've Depends had, Lu- we've had, we've had Luke's. We've had the the Luke Luke Skywalker for six movies. Why can't we have Ray for a little bit more? Than well, that? I mean, we had three movies, and then we had like a twenty-something year break, though. But that thirty-year break. Well, that's not that. We can't include that because that was owned by a different different people. Wait, what? 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 What do you mean? A lot of things have happened with Star Wars. It's had a lot of transition periods. You mean when it was just Fox before Disney purchased it? And I think that, uh, you know, when Poe coming back and then coming back, that would be fun. And who knows? Maybe the Janna, she's going to be doing something different. And um, shit. So, I I thought it was good. It was fun. In general, I think we really, we both really like The Rise of Skywalker. I I have some issues with it because I'm a hardcore Star Wars person and I have. I hold the franchise to a very high standard, but I think we want to see this movie remain uh, remain impactful on the saga. No matter what they do next, whether it's another film, another show, like whatever film they do, I think we want to see if if it's set after this. I think we want to see the effects of what happens in this movie take place. Is that kind of the general thing I'm hearing from you? In, yeah, in addition to having, over. yeah, but you want to see what happens next, like how the galaxy changes based on what happens here. And in, in relation to my whole thing about balance, I don't think we quite get like the putting to bed of the Jedi and the Sith, but the fact that the Sith are now completely dead, um, the even the Jedi, like she buried, Ray goes back to Tatooine, spoilers, as the whole last hour has been, uh, goes back to Tatooine, the Lars homestead, in fact, and buries both Leia and Luke's saber. It's kind of putting to bed the Jedi to me. And then it emerges with a yellow saber. So it seems like it is kind of a new era of Force users. Maybe not quite extreme as Jedi or Sith. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, that was... And I think that's what that's, we want to see, yeah, right? Yeah. They, they're trying to be, have balance. That she's she's um, both good and bad. And um, her lightsaber... It's your internal balance, like Carrie was saying on that episode last time. Yeah. And um, it's a pretty cool lightsabers. But... You know, yeah, I think that that's how it is, and um, it was pretty prophetic that she went to Tatooine, even though it's weird she didn't go to Naboo, where Princess Leia and where... Uh, Naboo wasn't Princess Leia. Naboo was Padme. Who was... Where was Princess Leia? Alderaan. There Alderaan. doesn't exist anymore. It got ah, in the New Hope. Okay, you can edit that out. <laughs> no, uh, but Tatooine was where we started this whole story, really, in kind of a new hope. So that makes sense. It's kind of goes full circle again, which is something that the prequels also did because Revenge of the Sith uh, ended on Tatooine at the Lars Homestead with the binary sunset. So even in that way, it's kind of like retreading the same thing that we've seen before. So I think go see Rise of Skywalker. Is it the best Star Wars movie? No. Is it the worst Star Wars movie? No. So and and it, it's a satisfying conclusion. 
Not quite as good as I would prefer, but I, I, I good enough for Kai to be better than Force Awakens, at least. So It's true. Uh, but we both still stand by Last Jedi, so just bear that in mind when you hear our opinion. So, any other final thoughts, Kai? No, go see it and um, know that it's it's kind of a it's more dark than the other. Yeah, don't other take your one. small yeah, children yeah. to it. We didn't. So, thank you so much, Kai, for coming back to the podcast and rounding out this Star Wars trilogy. Uh, I think we're supposed to do a commentary track for the next episode. Are we still doing that? Are you available? Check my calendar. Oh, but well, was, I know where you live, so. That's true. <laughs> um, but it was a pleasure to be on the show, as always, um, to close out the Star Wars series. And uh, Of course, of course. Uh, and we're doing the, as I mentioned, we're doing the Harry Potter films next year from March till October, I think. Uh, and ooh, creepy! Dun, dun, dun. And Kai will definitely be a part of that. I think we have some idea which one we were going to talk about, but we won't reveal it now because yes, that changes that's right. and stuff. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode with Kai. Okay, bye. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com/guest, or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com/crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at CrookedTable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED.